0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Pengloff coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. So we have another really special day at Action Radio we've got uh, David Stockman calling in in a second hour. And for those that aren't familiar, David Stockman was the budget uh, director, so the Office of Management and Budget during the Reagan administration. Uh, I got a little bio for him here, I was reading it over earlier. In fact, uh, Whenever I get one of these, these major public figure uh, interviews, I always over-prepare. <laughs> you know, I get after for like four hours' worth of, uh, of interviews. He might only be here for half an hour. But it doesn't matter because the main uh, reason I wanted him here was to ask him about our constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. And so that I'm pretty sure nobody's ever asked him, uh, at least of all the government people, because that's, that's how they function, is on borrowed money. But borrowed money is, is, the, is the source of inflation. That's what creates it. The government borrows. Government spends money they don't have, so they have to borrow the money. Uh, they have to increase the national debt. Then they have to cover that debt somehow by, by printing money that, uh, to, in other words, to spend on, the, on their borrowed debt. And I'm not sure exactly how all it works. Uh, um, David will know. <laughs> I'm going to ask him, how, did, how does that work exactly? So that might be a really good question. I'll add it to my long list of questions. Uh, as to um as to how all this works. So we'll see. Let me see sure where I can put that. It's, it's live radio. I can put it in there somewhere. Uh so let's put uh where would I put that? Um, so true How government debt how government hand G O V T debt uh, what am I putting down? Government debt. Preach inflation. Roadmap. Live radio, I can do this. <laughs> So anyway, but that, that's, that's how things happen here a lot of times. It's like, oh, I get it. Yeah, and this is why I don't, uh, even though I over-prep for things, it's, uh, it, it doesn't really matter because I'm going to think of stuff to ask him during the interview anyway. But that's what I want to know. So his book is called, going to get his book title up here. Uh, it's called, yeah, on, i got to find where I put it. <laughs> there we go. Otherwise, I'm going to be in real trouble. So it's called The Great Money Bubble, Protect Yourself from the Coming Inflation. Well, I think it's kind of here. And so then we'll, we'll find out from there. Anyway, so I want to find out what a money bubble is, uh, and I want to find out, you know, his views on inflation. And if we get time, we can go on all kinds of things. Um, you know, the, the difference between Reagan and Trump, you know, uh, the whole idea of inflation, you know, whether we need a Fed, you know, what, what can happen if we, uh, if we stabilize the, the, the amount of dollars in the economy. Uh, and what about deflation? This is the thing that nobody ever talks about is deflation. And it seems like the one thing that the the economists and the government people are afraid of the most is the thing that's probably going to be, that's going to help us the most, which is deflation. And I figure if if inflation increases, the result of inflation, in other words, increasing the money supply, um, creates inflation and makes everything more expensive and causes prices to rise. Well, wouldn't deflation, in other words, contraction of the money supply, in other words, the amount of dollars in circulation, wouldn't that cause prices to fall? (laughs) You know, I mean, it seems to make sense. And if it doesn't, then we've got to... Then we got we to gotta look at our economic principles and, and, and you know, founding theories, <laughs> because that's, that's kind of what it seems to be. So I don't know if one is true as the other true. What, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. I know. Let's, let's take Newtonian physics. That would be Isaac Newton, uh, for those that aren't familiar with the word. And, and let's, you know, we can apply that. In fact, I'm going to ask him, too, about this, this thing that I found earlier, quantum economics, David Oral. Let's see if he's heard about him, but I'm sure he's heard about him. Let's see what he thinks of him. <laughs> you know, so all these things we can ask. And, and again, um, I'm, I can't take calls uh, during his interview because it's probably going to be short, and I'll be busy anyway. So if you want to type in a question in the live chat, that's probably your best bet to uh, to get something through. Uh, but otherwise, it's just it's it's going to be a busy day. You got me the first hour. We've got David Stockman for I don't know how much of the second. Um, I never. I just keep asking questions until they have to leave. I'm pretty terrible about that. But, you know, I don't get a chance to do this that often. I've had, who have I had uh, big of late? In October, we got really lucky. We had both Wendy Rogers and Peter Navarro. Wendy Rogers, uh, state senator in Arizona, uh, Air Force pilot, really interesting person. Friend of Carrie Lake. And we talked about Carrie Lake's candidacy uh, before the election. Peter Navarro is, is Trump's senior advisor on trade, China policy, uh, just a senior advisor to the administration. He's the one that got the, the was 60 million hydroxychloroquine uh, tablets uh, ready to go. Uh, for, for, to, uh, treat and, and get rid of COVID. And he knew. I mean, uh, Trump said that there were, there were like two or three advisors that told him just to ride out COVID, that it's, it's not that big a deal. It's a flu bug. You know, it's like every other bug. And he was at, and whoever said that was absolutely right. I think Peter Navarro was one of those people. That's my speculation. So guess what didn't come up in the hearing yesterday? Uh, Peter Navarro and his 60 million hydroxychloroquine, uh, doses that could have, uh, or tablets that could have basically wiped out COVID. Uh, And that would have uh, canceled Dr. Fasch's entire vaccine, you know, uh, basically, you know, government medical holocaust plan. That's what I call it. It is a government medical holocaust. Well, I mean, not quite holocaust proportions. I don't know where exactly that starts. I don't like to inflate words unnecessarily. But the simple fact is that a million people died uh, with things related to the government policy of COVID. uh, And then probably all but five percent of them didn't have to. And So that's not just me. That's Dr. Solenko said that. Peter McCullough basically said that yesterday. Uh, some of the other folks, Dr. Pierre Corey, uh, who's been on the show. Uh, I haven't had Peter McCullough on yet. It's only uh, hopefully a matter of time. But it was a fascinating hearing both for what they said and what they didn't say. Guess what else they didn't say? <laughs> Anybody who knows me knows what's coming, right? They didn't talk about vaccine product liability legislation. How about that? <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm going to talk to Jim Thorpe, who was there. Jim was part of the world's greatest uh, doctor's panel. And so Jim expressed on the show, so I'm, not saying anything that didn't happen, uh, that he didn't necessarily favor uh, legislation. He didn't think that was the way to go. And I'm not quite sure what, what the substitute would be. But anyway, I, but I want to talk to Jim because he was there at the hearing with Senator Johnson. And I will encourage him, uh, if he didn't get a chance to talk to him, that we, if, if Dr. Thorpe didn't get a chance to talk to uh, Senator Johnson about our vaccine product liability legislation and our cure for big tech to end big tech censorship that uh, since they met, you know, they're in contact, maybe he can ask him directly or possibly there's a contact person I can talk to directly in Senator Johnson's office that will allow us to, uh, to talk about this directly because I think I said directly like four times. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm very direct sometimes, uh, but that's what I'm going to try and do because that's the real work of the show, what we do on the air. This is the fun stuff. <laughs> you, you know, I get to talk to people. I get to do all kinds of things, but the real work of Action Radio is off the air. It's writing the bills. It's the stuff behind the scenes. It's the contacts. It's the arrangements. It's the uh, just even the basic administrative stuff that, that uh, it takes to run a radio show. Anybody that has done this knows what I'm talking about. So there's a lot to it. And, and so yesterday's hearing, I mean, there's a lot to putting on that hearing. It's on Rumble. So you can go to, uh, I've got it on several of my pages at Action Radio, Facebook pages, uh, my own page, uh, I think the Action Radio Group, which is public. Anybody can take a look at that. Uh, most of my posts are public now, too. So it looks like Facebook, you know, they're just, they're just content to uh, uh, shadow ban me with a whole bunch of algorithms rather than just outright ban me, which seems to make everybody else upset. Um, so I, you know, that's why my posts don't have thousands and thousands of, of views and likes and things like that, because what we're talking about here is unique in the world. And that's what I'll tell David Stockman. So it should be interesting. So let me see. So I had a bunch of things I wanted to cover in this hour. This is kind of open. So if you want to call me, 215-383-3832, feel free. Uh, so I, I wrote something here. This is from last uh, I don't know, maybe was last night, maybe the night before. Time is time is like a sort of a you know a concept in the gray area because uh, awake or asleep, it's just it all sort of flows together. So I wrote, now that the gelding GOP has surrendered the Senate to Democrat vote fraud, surrendering the House can't be far behind. Knew it. So I forecast for a long time that the, the Republicans are going to do anything possible to give up power, that they are content to be losers, that they will do everything in their power to be losers. So they never have to take responsibility because the natural leaders, the natural order, the, 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 the Washington, D.C. wolf pack is dominated. The alphas, the Democrats and the beta is the Republicans. And this is the way it is. You know, you don't have a firebrand Republican. The only firebrand Republican is the one they don't like, Donald Trump. And you got a few feisty people in the in the Senate and the House. I'm not saying that you know there are some some folks I kind of like uh, you know I admire. Uh, Josh Hawley, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, I can't think of it now. I get a picture in my head. But other folks, Ted Cruz, uh, Rand Paul, except that his, I think his wife invested heavily in Gilead, which makes Remdesivir. So that kind of disqualifies him a bit. But otherwise, he does. His father, right, or Ron Paul, does some great stuff. Uh, Tom Cotton, there we go. Tom Cotton, another senator in the House. My own congressman, Matt Gates, who I really wish would call the show, uh, and some of the other folks, Jim Jordan, um, and one of the one of the people who I think made a mistake by going to Truth Social. That's Devin Nunez. I wish he'd stayed in the House and run the Intelligence Committee because he could have some some really interesting times uh, now with the the uh, Republicans, the the majority in the House. Uh, I'm kind of surprised the Democrats haven't overturned that already, given the way they operate. Maybe it's just a matter of time. Uh, or maybe because they know Kevin McCarthy is not going to do anything, that the House has already surrendered, so it can look like a, a symbolic victory without any substance behind it. In other words, even if the uh, uh, the Republican House passes a bill, the, the 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 Democrat Senate doesn't even have to look at it because they're in the majority. Because you know they stole, uh, I believe they stole. You know I can't, I, I don't have the votes in front of me right. So, uh, but I'm sure they stole that Raphael Warnock seat. I mean, how would a Marxist black you know supremacist you know, preacher, leftist, wacko Marxist get to uh, win in Georgia. It doesn't make any sense, you know, and so a lot of other things don't make sense, but they got their 51. Uh, it doesn't make sense that they count two independents as Democrats. Well, the Republicans should have changed that rule whenever they had a Senate majority, but they didn't, okay, because they're geldings. They, they, you know They don't think ahead. Uh, some of the other things that happened, counting uh, the vice president, counting them as a member of the Senate uh, for the purposes of, of, of committee chair, you know, um, majority is insane because the vice president isn't in the Senate. The vice president's the vice president. The vice president has their own office and it's not on Capitol. It's not in the Capitol building. You know, it's so over by the White House in the, the I think it's in the executive office building. That's where the vice president hangs out when she's there, <laughs> you know, and not traveling to some country to, you know, you know, shake hands with people she doesn't understand and et cetera, et cetera. But why would you count the vice president ever? And then we go for a Republican vice president too. Why would they ever be counted uh, as, as, a, as part of the Senate I mean, they come in there to, t- to break ties, but that's it. But they do that as vice president. They don't do it as a senator. So they're not senators. So, they shouldn't be, so vice president should never be counted for party majority purposes uh, in the Senate. And yet the geldings let that happen. So they've surrendered the Senate. Uh, they've surrendered it to uh, Kamala Harris, and they've surrendered it to Raphael Warnock. They've surrendered it to the other leftists, Chuck Schumer, et cetera, et cetera. And, then, and they pretty much surrendered the House, uh, it looks like if they put Kevin McCarthy in the speakership, because although he's taking talking a you know a pretty good game now, he sounds like a Republican would sound. He really does. It's kind of interesting. Uh, he's very good at this. Um, Paul Ryan also sounded like a Republican should sound too, and then proceeded to stop every genuine Republican initiative, every investigation, everything, anything that meant anything, was completely stopped by Paul Ryan, who was the deep state operative that I believe Kevin McCarthy is too. So that's where we stand. So I think the, the Republicans are doing what they do best, which is surrender. Uh, and I think uh, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if sometime before – well, uh, if, I was a, if, I, if I were a Democrat, oh, when would I do I'd do it right before Christmas. I would quietly overturn um, just enough uh, House seats to have the Democrats take back the majority. That's what I would do. And so my, my prediction is look for – when everybody's celebrating Christmas, it might be the week between Christmas and New Year's when nobody's paying attention to anything, um, that a whole bunch of votes show up in Republican 1. Congressional seats, particularly in California and Arizona, which seems to be a, a hotbed of corruption right now, that uh, don't be surprised if, if two, or whatever, however many seats, one over half. So in other words, two, the Democrats by by New Year's Day will have 219 members of the House, and the Republicans will then be the minority. Don't be surprised if that happens, or they're just content to let it sit as it is because they know Kevin McCarthy's not going to do anything anyway. So either way, the Democrats win. So. Um, you know, they can give Republicans the pretense that they're going to be on on the right side of this, but they're really not. Okay. What else have I got here? Covered David Stockman, covered uh, the Johnson hearings. Um, let's get to, well, let me do, let me do a couple uh, like a minute or two on, on Obama. You know, the, the first Irish president (laughs) I'm teasing. Um, I wrote something down here. I said, Obama is making the rounds, blaming Congress for not illegally ending the second amendment for all American citizens for the completely unrelated murders at Sandy hook. Um, He says that people equally armed to murderers at the clubs defies common sense. (laughs) Whose common sense would that be? So what we've got now is this connection that the left always makes between criminal murders and uh, the rights of of law-abiding Americans. Well, they have nothing in common. They never did. You know, somebody who... uh, um, I don't know, lies, cheats, bribes, <laughs> you know, does that, you know, and, and, and says, well, because people are lying, cheating, bribing, libeling, slandering, uh, and doing all, all other kinds of nasty things with speech, you know, uh, in, you know, uh, inspiring, what is it, what is it called? Uh, something, a riot. Was it causing an insurrection or riot through speech, hate speech, whatever they want to call it, things like that. Well, hate speech is not illegal. That's a bad term. That's a bad example. But uh, instigating a riot through speech or anything like that, whatever the criminal use of speech is. You know, they said, well, because people are libeling and slandering, then we can't have free speech because we've got to stop all the, all the people that are, that are exercising it normally, you know, so that we can so we get rid of the libel and slander. Well, it's the same thing. That's like saying well, we've got to take, a, take away guns from the honest people to stop criminals from doing murders. Well, the honest people have nothing to do with the criminals doing murders. In fact, the honest people are the cure to the criminals doing murders uh, in public when they can catch them, um, you know, and so but this, this connection, this constant connection said, so, well, if we just get rid of the Second Amendment, then, uh, you know, then the criminals will stop murdering people, which is absurd. But nobody calls them on it. I do. You know, that's like saying if we stop uh, vendors from growing grapes, then nobody will drive drunk on wine. What? <laughs> that's the same thing. Or my favorite example, if we just get rid of the, the bank depositors, you know, we'll, we'll end bank robberies. Oh, come on. But it's the same example. So why would you tolerate, why would you laugh at my absurd examples? And well, not not my, necessarily my listeners, but the people, you know, and tell people that, too. Say, so wait a minute. So if you so so somehow if you get if you uh, take guns from the law body, that's going to stop criminals from robbing banks. That makes no sense. You know, so, tell them, so, look, so so your you, so your equivalent to gun control is when is to stop bank robberies by getting rid of the depositors. And they say, is that what you're saying? Because <laughs> you know, that's what it comes to. But yeah, he comes out. Obama comes out there, right, goes on stage and, and looks very serious and wears his gray suit. You know, kind of like a Wall Street, uh, he's got like Wall Street gray, right? And he comes out there and says, well, uh, uh, the, 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 the worst thing about my administration was we weren't able to, to uh, you know, and I'll paraphrase, <laughs> take away the rights of law-abiding Americans, uh, which would have no effect on criminals. <laughs> so, so that's what he, his greatest regret is he couldn't take away the rights of law-abiding Americans uh, using the excuse that that will somehow stop murders. That's his greatest regret. Very strange man, (laughs) you know, and also the people that that kind of put up with this. All right, let's totally change topics here. I want to, uh, the balances are I had something else completely different in mind. And you really haven't heard it on the news, but I happen to know more of the backstory because I was personally involved with it. And so are friends of mine. And so what it concerns is the Maine lobster market. I'll pull a Rush Limbaugh here. Gee, Greg, (laughs) how how did you get from Obama gun control to Maine lobsters? Well, it's pretty simple. There is a radical environmentalist. And very rich woman named Julie Packard. Julie Packard happens to be the daughter of of David Packard, who started Hewlett Packard. And so it's fascinating how this happens. It's like Ray Kroc started McDonald's. Very conservative, conservative business guy built McDonald's. I think he he didn't actually start. I think he bought it uh, and franchised it. He made it what it was. I'm in a couple. I think McDonald's <laughs> McDonald started McDonald's. All right. You know, can you, can you imagine if I started a restaurant? It'd be called Penglis's? Hey, you want to go get a get a, you know you want to go to Penglis? <laughs> it does have a good ring to it. I've never thought my name would be good for, on a product, but anyway, I digress. So back to Ray Kroc. So Ray Kroc took uh, McDonald's. I guess they had maybe one or two or three restaurants and built it into this mega multi billion dollar corporation. Well, when he passed on, his wife uh, Mrs. Kroc, <laughs> you know, was an ultra liberal, has a whole McDonald's foundation and gives money to all the very things that Ray Kroc would be against. Fascinating. Now, I don't know what David Packard thinks of his, his lovely daughter, Julie, but Julie Packard has turned into a complete environmental wacko. How do I know that? Because I lived in the San Francisco Bay Area, all right? and friends of mine were affected by what she did. So Julie Packard runs the Monterey Aquarium. The Monterey Aquarium is a hotbed, wacko, environmental nonsense, you know, fake science, junk science, climate change, idiocy, and their goal is to basically end fishing. <laughs> I mean, all of it. You know, let's, let's make the ocean safe. We don't want fishing anymore. Or if, there is, if you do get seafood, it has to come from a farm. You know, farm fish, you know, where it's polluted, you know, where they feed them artificial food, uh, where they genetically modify them and they completely destroy them. She probably wants us to eat bugs. Wouldn't surprise me. But I, I haven't found that in print, so I can't claim that. So Julie Packard runs the Monterey Aquarium. And where I, where I found this out personally is when I was a tour guide on Fisherman's War. So I used to drive ducks, you know, ride the ducks and carry the duck boats. You know, the, the things that drive on land and then, uh, you know, splash into the water. Yeah, I used to do that. And it had great sound effects and, and did a whole turn the whole bit. Well, friends of mine at the Aglio Lazio um, Fish Company, uh, it's a multi-generational uh, Italian California family um, that has a crab fishery. And you can go there, and they're great. The friends of mine. I'm trying to get uh, Angela uh, on the show. Uh, it's like Angela and Annette are two sisters who run it now. And so they do, they've been doing this for, for, I guess, most of their adult lives. Uh, and their fathers and their grandfathers did it too. Uh, and so this is the Alejandro Lazio Fish Company. So you can look them up and, and you can get to Dungeons Crab direct from them. So I'm not sure when it had to have been. Let me see. I've been here since 2017. You know, you know this five years ago. So this would have been in 2014, 15, maybe 16, somewhere in there. How long was that in the tour biz? I'm trying to think. I left it after a while. No, there's probably two. So either 2014 or 2015. Uh, Julie Packard of the Monterey. Bay Aquarium, um, decided that uh, nobody should be harvesting uh, Dungeness crabs on the West Coast. Okay, So Dungeness crab, which uh, is named uh, for a town where they first found it in Dun- Dungeness, Washington, which is named for some place in Scotland. They got Dungeness in Scotland, like Inverness. You know, I don't know how, why the Scottish developed such a hard accent to say, because everything they do sounds harsh, which is not. The, the Scottish are kind of cool. Although I didn't have a great time in Edinburgh, but that, that's another story. Anyway, so back to the west coast of, of California. And so these folks that, uh, at the Monterey Bay Aquarium, they don't want you to have seafood. And so what they did is they made the uh, lobster, I mean, the, the Dungeness crab season basically extend so far that it was almost non-existent one year. Maybe it was 2014. I'm, I'm trying to think. So anyway, that's, um, that's what happened. And so they delayed the season. And you got to understand, Dungeness crab fishing is a San Francisco tradition that goes back to when they first discovered it. You know, the crab pots. And they had these little boats. They probably did sailboats in the in the 1700s. Well, they're in the 1700s, 1800s. Probably sailboats in the 1800s, and then they got motorized fishing boats. Uh, but it's been a tradition for for generations. 1800s, 1900s, uh, we fish for Dungeness crab, and California been California has been all has always been really good about maintaining the Dungeness crab stock. For one thing, they only harvest the males, so the females are free to, you know, uh, to breed and and create you know, half a million, you know, baby crabs. Most of them don't survive, of course, because it's the ocean. Everything eats everything else in the ocean. But a whole bunch do. And so they only take the males. And so it's a very, it's what you would call a sustainable business. So California has always very carefully managed the the Dungeons crabs. So there's always been plenty of crabs in the ocean, plenty of crabs for us to eat. And and for the most part, pretty much everybody was happy. Well, until Julie Packard. So Julie Packard comes along, the wacko environmentalist, and says that you can't fish. And somehow she got the California fishing chain uh, group to change, see if I, I'm going to confirm with uh, Angela about this, uh, exactly what happened, but they changed the algae bloom index to what was safe and what was not safe. So they, they made the standard far stricter. So I have whatever parts per million of algae that were normal, normal in, the, in, in San Francisco Bay, normal uh, in the waters off uh, San Francisco through the Golden Gate and out uh, towards the Farallon Islands where much of, most of the, uh, the crab fishing is done. The Farallones are beautiful. It's a wildlife sanctuary, sanctuary some 20 miles um, outside of uh, the Golden Gate. See, so the Golden Gate is where the Golden Gate Bridge goes over. It's not named for the bridge, folks. It's named for the the the, the, the harbor entrance. <laughs> that's called the Golden Gate, gateway to the Gold Coast, Golden Empire Hills. 19, you know, 1849ers, you know, with the, which the football team is named for. For those who don't know where 18 where the 49ers came from, is from 1849, the Gold Rush. So it's called the Golden Gate. So the bridge that went over the Golden Gate is called the Golden Gate Bridge. Anyway, so. The fishing season, the crab season, is a big deal in San Francisco. Uh, Columbus Day, uh, the 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 priest uh, might even be a bishop. I'm not sure, but the priest of the old big old North Church uh, in San Francisco. I mean, not that's Old North. That's that's Boston. I'm sorry, I get my cities mixed up. I used to live in Boston too. But uh, uh, the um, North Beach, the, the 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 Italian section of San Francisco, has a beautiful cathedral. It's, well, cathedral means the bishop is there. But anyway, it's a beautiful church, two inspires the whole bit. You saw it in one of the Dirty Harry films. Anyway, uh, it's there at uh, North Beach, which is the Italian section. And so they have a parade on Columbus Day. And part of the parade, if I remember this correctly, I'm pretty sure I do, is that the priest goes down and does a blessing of the fishing fleet. So that comes first, and then the Columbus Day parade, and, you get, and, then, and then you go. So the, the crab season, Columbus Day, um, being early in October. I think it's about the first Tuesday, or I've forgotten the date of it. So, whenever Columbus Day is, the, the the fishing fleet gets a blessing from the Catholic priest, and then off they go. And then the season starts. And then, you know, some of the big deals in San Francisco, I mean, Thanksgiving in San Francisco is Dungeness Crab and Turkey. You know, Christmas is Dungeness Crab and turkey, you know, or ham or whatever else you have. But, but Dungeness crab is a regular part of San Francisco, San Francisco Christmas. And the old San Francisco families would line up, you know, for hours before Thanksgiving and before Christmas to get Dungeness crab from the Alioto Lazio Fish Company, my friends. And so this is where I heard this whole story. Uh, In fact, we we talked about it. I think I talked about it on my tour that Julie Packard, uh, daughter of uh, David Packard, of Hewlett Packard, uh, has run the Monterey Bay Aquarium for decades, I think since the 70s. So she's been doing this a long time. So, uh, you know, definitely, uh, as I I think I remember seeing a headline uh, on one of the articles I didn't read about her being a trust fund baby. Wouldn't be surprised. Don't think she's had a, a real job, uh, I would guess, because I don't know anything else she's done except run the Monterey Bay Aquarium. Now, my question, my question through all this is how is it that an aquarium has power over economic policy, over major seafood industries. That's my question. How is it that Julie Packard at the Monterey Bay Aquarium has such clout in the, with the government, our own government, both the state of California, uh, I guess the state of Maine, and the federal government, that she can declare that we shouldn't fish for lobsters because it might be, be killing um, North Atlantic Ocean right whales, even though there's no evidence of that. And that we should uh, you know, stop harvesting uh, dungeness crabs off the coast of California. Um, after they lowered the standard of algae blooms, which could never be met. I mean, there's an algae bloom every year in San Francisco. There's certain things about San Francisco that are regular. I spent 30 years there. I'm really familiar, okay? The herring come in January. It's great, and you can see the, the sea lions. If you want to go see sea lions in, in uh, San Francisco at Pier 39 and other places, go in January. First of all, the weather's great. <laughs> Secondly, the herring are there. And guess what the herring attract? Sea lions. Well, guess what the sea lions attract? Great white sharks. Yeah, they're in the bay too, okay? In fact, I have a, uh, there was a video uh, of this, this rather tragic thing, that's, uh, the sea lion. <laughs> uh, send the kids away for this one. They're not going to want to hear this, okay? Um, but uh, there was a sea lion. And it was gone, okay. So, you know, okay, let's get the older kids, but the younger kids now. So the sea lion, happily playing, you know, one of the ferry boats. It was the Alcatraz Ferry. And so it was playing in the surf, and it was, it was, it was leaping up and doing all the things the sea lions do, right? Well, and everybody's videoing because it's really cute. Well, what happened was, and here's what it's, it's nature. This is what nature does, right? You know, anyway, so great white shark grabs the sea lion, drags it under, and off they go. Uh, and, of course, you know, there's, there's, like, you know, remnants in the water and all kinds. Of, I'm not going to get too graphic here, but you know what happens. You know what you know what great white sharks do. And so this, this sort of disproved the theory that there are no sharks in the bay. <laughs> yes, there are. If there are sea lions in the bay, trust me, there are sharks in San Francisco Bay. And so that kind of proved it. It's on video. You can look it up and uh uh, take a look. Like I say, it's everybody's like happily. Oh, this is the water. Look at the sea lion. Bam. <laughs> anyway, uh, but that's what they do with the Farallon every day. The Farallon Islands is a wildlife sanctuary where probably hundreds of thousands of sea lions live, uh, mate, you know, produce little sea lions, and and grab fish. You know, and then so then the the sharks are there, and and the orcas, the killer whales, are there. Well, apparently killer whales and and the great white sharks don't get along really well, and it usually ends up bad for the great white shark. And there are videos of that too. But the point of all this, the point, the reason I'm bringing this, and I'm going to get to a couple articles here in a minute. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because there's no way on earth that the head of an aquarium should be dictating economic policy to entire industries, particularly the Dungeness crab uh, and and the uh, Maine lobster. That's insane, because you're talking generations of families that have this, um, you know, in their background. That's their family business. That's what they do. And especially since both the Maine lobster and I guess, you know, Massachusetts, uh, New Hampshire has a little bit of it, too. But we all know at the Maine lobster, you know, which they fish at the George's Banks. Uh, the George's Banks is this wonderful area off New England, which I guess is fairly shallow. And that's where the lobsters live. And, of course, you know, shallow water is better because, you know, your lobster pots don't have to have the ropes as long. And they have special lines and, and they do all kinds of things to preserve right whales. So they have sinking lines as opposed to surface lines. And they've done all this stuff to, to uh, make it safer for the, the whales. And that's a good thing. Okay, so they're doing the right thing. You know, and but uh, they've made these efforts. But the thing is, it doesn't matter because what's really this is all about, this is really about what's happening everywhere else. with so the food shortages in, in Holland uh, and, and Germany coming up uh, and these ridiculous, the, the, the minister of nitrogen. <laughs> okay. They actually have a minister of nitrogen pollution or something like that in Holland. I, I can get to that story, too, if we have time, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. But the thing is that they say that, uh, you know, farms produce nitrogen. And uh, We can't have food because it produces nitrogen or uses nitrogen or something like that. Well, what they're forgetting, of course, is that the air is 72% nitrogen. Okay? So if you're going to get rid of nitrogen, you're going to get rid of 72% of the atmosphere. That's not conducive to a, a, a long life for any of us. Okay? We need nitrogen. Nitrogen gets in the soil. Nitrogen is what fertilizes the plants. Plants die without nitrogen. They also die without carbon dioxide, which is a whole lot less than, than nitrogen. You know, it's, the percentage is less than 1% carbon dioxide. It really should be like 2 to 4%. If we had a healthy um, uh, atmosphere, we'd have like 2 to 4% uh, carbon dioxide, but that's still not enough to, to trap all the heat that's escaping. See, most of the heat that, that, that bounces back to Earth comes from water vapor, you know, clouds. That's why after a cloudy night, it's warmer than after a, uh, a clear night, because on a clear night, all the heat escapes. You know, but on a cloudy night, the heat's reflected back. water va- Water vapor is your greenhouse gas, so unless you're going to ban water, and try and convince people that's a pollutant, which the wackos knew was going to be absurd, so they picked carbon dioxide because people are just dumb enough to believe that uh, you know, carbon dioxide, which is, which is bad if you breathe too much of it, we breathe it out. See, the plants breathe it in. See, the plants can't have too much, have too much oxygen. That's their waste product. Carbon dioxide is, is what keeps them going, and it makes sense because carbon, we're carbon-based life forms. Carbon is the basis of life. Okay, without carbon, there is no life. So why would you take you know, the, the basis of life out of the atmosphere? Unless you're trying to kill everybody. <laughs> that's just insane, right? But that's how it goes. Anyway, so let me play a couple things, and I've got a couple of articles for you here, and uh, I'll be back in just a little bit. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with MyPillow and now goes to MyCoffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of MyPillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, W-Y-L Which stands for Write Your Laws MyPillow pillows are guaranteed The most comfortable pillow You'll ever own Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most Controversial show you will Ever hear Check out their products with our discount code At MyPillow.com Slash W-Y-L That's MyPillow.com Slash W-Y-L Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand Your Ground. concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate Free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news, we are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take—that is Action Radio. Well, that sounds like fun! I'm going to be on that show. That is like a great time. Let's make sure my microphone's on. Yep, microphone's on. We're doing well. Um, so we got about half an hour, uh, maybe a little bit less until David Stockman calls in. And again, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I don't mind admitting that, uh, oops, let me rearrange my chair here, that uh, when I get these, these major figures on, these major public figures, that it does, you know, probably make me a little nervous. I'm sure I over-prep. Uh, and I think that's that's part of the fun of radio is that you get to talk to some pretty incredible people. And I will always do it. I, mean, I, I wonder how I'm going to be when Trump gets on the show. It's going to be pretty interesting. But uh, yeah, you always want that. Uh, uh, that, little, uh, that little twinge. I mean, most of the time I just hop on the show and just start talking. Pretty much like I am now, you know, calm and cool. But, uh, you know, I get the big folks on. And I really want to be respectful. But I also want to really ask them tough questions too. So I try and find that, that balance between respectful and, and still ask uh, the questions that, uh, I, you know, ideally nobody else has even thought to ask. So I found something in Fox Business. And this is what kind of got me on this thing. September 30th, so just a couple months ago, Maine lobstermen, their livelihoods threatened, push back against California aquariums, red listing. In the subheading, Monterey Bay Aquarium wants consumers to pass on Maine lobster. Here's why and what's at stake for the industry. So I'm telling you all now, go out and have a lobster, okay? Go get, fly one in. If you're in Florida, fly it in. You know, all, you, all you seafood places along the Gulf Coast, you know, get some Maine lobster and, uh, and offer that along with your Gulf shrimp uh, and your, your San Francisco Dungeness crab and uh, Florida stone crab and Maryland softshell crab and Alaskan king crab you know, and all the great fishies that, uh, that are just wonderfully nutritious. Hey, whatever happened to swordfish? Did you get too much mercury or something? Because I don't see swordfish anymore. Uh, I used to love swordfish. I get swordfish steaks. Yeah, it was great. Very thick, very, uh, very chewy. It was a wonderful fish, uh, even though swordfish are beautiful. So I don't, I don't mind. It's, it's kind of, it's weird. If an animal is really too pretty, you don't want to eat it. But uh, if you don't know what it is, it's like, oh, it's okay, fine. So we, we don't seem to have a problem with beef, you know, but uh, uh, deer are like pretty, you know, Bambi. <laughs> so people are reluctant to hunt, you know, adult deer because of Bambi but have no problem eating a hamburger. It's kind of an interesting uh, way things go. But lobsters, the other thing, too. And of course, the problem with all seafood is, is tossing a live animal into a boiling pot of water. And so that has always gotten me, too. So people are, are really happy to have somebody else do it. But there's a, there's a way that I, I learned um, from New England, and I think it works with the crabs, too. You turn them on their back upside down and they kind of go into like a hypnotist state or hypnosis. It kind of stuns them a bit because they don't like being on their back. And, and that's the, the most humane way to do it. There is no humane way to do it. But on the other hand, if you don't cook them, you can't eat them. And so there's always this trade-off. You know, if you don't kill Bambi, or, well, not Bambi, you know, Bambi's dad. <laughs> if you don't kill an old deer, you're never going to try deer. And so how do you have respect for the animal? Um, enjoy you know, the, the nutritious benefits and, and the wonderful taste of, of these, these these great critters. Um, and, uh, and still keep your, your soul, your humanity, your spirit um, knowing the fact that that uh, you know God created an Earth where pretty much everything eats everything else, I mean that, that's that's the way things go, and it's it's very anyway. These are the these are the questions that I ponder before I toss a lobster into a pot of boiling water, which I've only done a few times. And, uh, and like I say, I don't like doing that, but I have because it's hypocritical of me to go let somebody else do it uh, and not uh, and not have done it myself. All right, so Fox Business, uh, Christine Roussel, R O U S S E L L E, Fox Business. September, let me get my date once again here. I uh, just right. a second ago. Where'd it go? Here we go. Sept- September 20th of 2022. Says, lobstermen from Maine are speaking out over recent warnings about the product they catch to make their living after a West Coast aquarium. Yeah, <laughs> from one coast to another, right? That, that's pretty good reach. You go from Monterey to, uh, to Maine uh, and, and order people not to eat Maine lobster from your little aquarium, all right? You know, with your fish tanks. <laughs> All right, so after West Coast Aquarium discouraged consumers from purchasing lobsters. More than just discouraging, they, they, they tried to ban them, right? The article says the Monterey Bay Aquarium in Monterey, California, is standing by its decision to, quote, red list the lobster industry. And this is why I'm saying no no aquarium should be able to tell you what you can or cannot eat. It's just none of their business. You know, now, especially, especially now, if they said that if these were being overfished or overharvested, I can understand that. Say, so, look, listen, we, we need your limits. You're, you're overfishing. You're overharvesting. Don't do that. Or if they were killing all kinds of whales, you know, like when the uh, uh, the tuna nets were catching way too many, you know, dolphin. I mean, once in a while, yeah, but I mean, they were catching thousands. Of, they're killing thousands of dolphins a year for your tuna, right? Well, that was wrong. You're not fishing for dolphin. You're fishing for tuna. And of course, you don't want to overfish the tuna either. You know, so but all these things have to be considered. But the thing is, the lobster industry. Like the Dungeons Crab industry is probably one of the most regulated, probably one of the most best, most environmentally, as the left would say, sustainable industries out there. So who the hell is this aquarium, you know, Julie Packard, to say, no, I'm sorry, you cannot have because I don't want to eat lobster nobody else can either. It's like gun control for fish, <laughs> okay, or, or gun control for seafood or for, for lobsters. This is, this is like, the, I, didn't, I didn't think of that. This is the gun control argument. I don't want to so see you can't have it. Oh, great. What a leftist. Anyway, Monterey Bay Aquarium in, in California is standing by its decision to red list the lobster industry over concerns that North Atlantic right whales are harmed in the fishing process, okay? Now, the reason the right whales got their name is because when they were harpooned, they didn't sink. So they were the right whale to hunt. That's R-I-G-H-T. It's a rather unfortunate name, but that's, you know, that's what they called it. So, so the, uh, the, 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 the New England uh, whaling industry, uh, which fortunately died out. Uh... Oh, by the way, you know what saved the whales? Okay, here's one for you. What saved the whales was petroleum, was oil. Okay? That's what caused the whaling industry to die out. So all you people that are against petroleum understand that the source of oil used to be whales, whale blubber, you know, melted down. That's how people lit their lamps. Okay? That's how they, that was the grease they used in their wagon wheels. <laughs> okay? So whales were killed for, for grease and oil. All right? So all you folks that are against petroleum, just think that if you didn't have petroleum in the ground, the whales would be gone. Think about that next time you environmentalist. Wackos. <laughs> and I'm an environmentalist. I'm just not a wacko. Anyway, back to the article. She says, we stand by our science-based assessments. That's Seafood Watch. Oh, that's not, that's not Julie Packard. Okay. So Seafood Watch, a sustainable seafood advisory, a uh, list released by the aquarium told Fox Business by email. So they didn't actually talk to him, right? So here's the email. It says, we stand by our science-based assessments. Well, anybody that has to say that they're science-based, you know they're not science-based. They're politically based. They're ideologically based because the science, you know, there's plenty of crab and there's plenty of lobster. That's the science. You know, the fact is right whales aren't dying uh, in lobster pots or by lobster lines or or anything else lobster. They're not. uh, I got articles to talk about that. Okay. so so it's not science based. It's it's uh, it's leftist environmental wacko based, which means, you know, it's anything but science. And then it says here, specifically, they charge that North Atlantic right whales, which number less than 340. And that is a problem. I mean, they are almost extinct. So we need to preserve the right whales. But this isn't the way to do it, that's, which goes back to my gun control argument. If you, if you uh, take all the depositors in a bank and get rid of them, then, then that will stop bank robberies. Well, that's absurd because they're not connected. In other words, the fact that right whales are becoming, you know, there's only 340 right whales, that's a crisis. That's not a lot. That's, that's a very small gene pool. You know, right whales, how, many, how often do they have a cap? Every year or two? Maybe. Okay. That's a crisis. But the lobsters aren't to blame for that. Neither are the lobster or the fishing folks. says it's a disconnect. It's the same disconnect as gun control. Well, if we take guns from the law abiding, you know, criminals will stop murdering people. No, they won't. They'll murder people because, that, because the fact that criminals murder people has nothing to do with the rights of the law abiding. They're two totally separate and distinct entities. Anyway. Back to the article. The Seafood Watch's Red List <laughs> advises, advises, right, because they don't have regulatory power, but they seem to by virtue of this, right? Red List advises consumers to take a pass on these species for now. <laughs> They're overfished, lack strong management, or are caught or farmed in ways that harm other marine life or the environment. Yeah, that's the saying. You better take a vaccine so that everybody else is protected. So should I wear a, uh, a seatbelt walking down the street to protect people in their cars? I actually saw that in a meme once. I, I I stole that one. That's not a that's not an original Gregism. Article says other lobsters included in the warning include the green best you know include a green best choice, a yellow good alternative and a blue certified. Oh, there we go. Other lobsters included in the warning include a green best choice, okay? So this is the green movement, right? So they give you a green light. This is why I'm sure the green movement got going even though trees are green. So you get a best choice, a good alternative and a and, and one that's certified. So I can only the food that they've certified? Oh, please, give me a break. <laughs> anyway, the aquarium told Fox Business via email, again, they don't talk to them, that Seafood Watch, I now to find out who they are, started the assessments uh, you're inquiring about in 2018 after 17 North Atlantic right whales were reported dead in the United States. All right? Fox is always popping their articles around, so I have to go back to where I was. Yeah, they do that. They'll, they'll flash ads in front of you after like a minute. <laughs> just to make sure you're looking at the ads. They don't care about the article. Uh, here we go. Let's see if I can find one here. Uh, As a result of the red listing of the lobster industry, Hello Fresh and Blue Apron, two meal kit companies, have now removed lobster from their consumer meal kits, and that's from the Associated Press. Of course, the, Now, nowhere in this article has anybody asked um, Julie Packard and the Monterey Bay Aquarium to prove their assessment, to show evidence that there are many dead right whales that the, uh, the lobster is being overfished. There's absolutely no evidence in this article whatsoever. So again, whenever you analyze news, you've got to see what's there, and you got to see what's not there. And what's not there is any, any kind of proof of this. So now we have a quote from a, a fishing person. Tony Bray, 49, of Deer Isle, Maine, began lobstering around age 12. Oh, I guess this is against child labor laws. It's a family business. It's okay. Anyway, uh, he did not mince words when asked if he has ever had a whale in, in, entangled in his gear. Hell no, he told Fox Business. It doesn't happen. There you go. Bray speculated that the move to redlist his industry was to reduce the number of fishermen who are on the coast of Maine, perhaps to make way for the construction of windmills. Ooh, there we go. There's your smoking lobster. Bray speculated that the move to redlist his industry was to reduce the number of fishermen who are on the coast of Maine. It's still mostly guys, so I can say fishermen. All right. I'm sure there are fisherwomen, too but still mostly guys, right? The number of fishermen who are on the coast of Maine, perhaps to make way for the construction of windmills, which aren't needed because, uh, you know, we've got all kinds of other power. He says they want fishermen out of the way. The Gulf of Maine is not the problem. Here's another lobsterman, uh, Kristen Porter, told Fox Business, who would think, uh, would you think in 20 years or more, there couldn't be one whale death they could identify as caused by U.S. gear? What are the odds of that? Okay. We have another quote here, Porter, who fishes out of Cutler, Maine, previously served as president of the Maine lobstermen's Association. They have one. He said he's been a lobsterman for over 30 years. I think they're targeting all industry, all fishing industry. Of course, I said that too. The only fisheries that they have on their green list are agriculture. In other words, farms. So you're not allowed to have fresh seafood from the ocean. You can only have farm-regulated, government-regulated, government-regulated, industrially fed, genetically modified, you know, sitting in, in, in huge pools of, of poop, you know, uh, fish food? No, I don't think so. The whole reason that we that I like, you know, uh, Pacific-caught salmon and, and wild tuna and all the wild fish out there, I used to like swordfish, uh, is because they eat ocean stuff, you know, uh, krill, <laughs> you know, plankton. Little fish, <laughs> little fish that, is, the, that are eaten by bigger fish, which are eaten by bigger fish. And they'll end up in the great white shark anyway. No, I'm just kidding. But the point is that, that uh, naturally uh, fed fish are incredibly good and incredibly nutritious. Why do you think that the grizzly bears grow so big, especially at Kodiak, Kodiak Island in, in, in Alaska? Why do you think that the, the brown bears and the grizzly bears are the biggest bears in the world? Because they eat salmon. <laughs> they eat a lot of salmon. They get big. Yeah, they eat blueberries in the spring, but they eat salmon in the fall you know, whenever the salmon run is. Anyway, aquaculture. So this is what it is about too. So we've got windmills and we've got aquaculture. Okay. Porter explained, refers to the process of growing fish or seafood in pens or tanks rather than catching it in wild in the ocean. The quote is, we always say that wild caught is the best fish. It is. In fact, if you Check on your labels. Okay. One thing to check on, on salmon labels uh, is whether it went through uh, Thailand. And if you see, uh, you know, international sustainable labels that look like the fish was transported, they process a lot of it in Thailand. Of course, to get there, it has to sit in a, in a tank in a, in, a, in a container ship, and it has to come back in a container ship. It's pretty stupid, all right? So if you get a, if you get Pacific caught salmon processed in Alaska, brought directly to the United States, it's going to be a lot fresher. I mean, that's what you want. And so that's that's the place you want to go with this. All right. So, so okay. All right. Uh, Maine's congressional. Uh, here we go. Let's let's see. So that's it. Wild caught is better. I mean, it just is. Okay. Um, in fact, you get up to uh, is in Portland, Maine. They have the uh, uh, the, the statue of, of the, the the Maine fisherman out there with his uh, his big raincoat. I forgot. There's a name for it. I forgot what it's called. Uh, in a big storm, <laughs> it's a famous statue. Anyway, uh, the article says Maine's congressional delegation had harsh words for the Monterey Bay Aquarium in a September eighth, twenty twenty two letter to Jennifer DeAnto, Kimberley, the aquarium's vice president of global ocean initiatives. Why would a Monterey Bay Aquarium, a local Monterey Bay Aquarium, have a vice president of Global Ocean Initiatives if they aren't an environmental front? So then the question is, where do they get their money? Is there is there secret funding from the Obama uh, administration and the uh, the Brandon Insurrection to funnel millions of dollars to Monterey for their quote Global Ocean Initiatives? Remember the Law of the Sea Conference? That's some kind of interesting. Reagan refused to do that. MLS Davis talked to about that. He's going to be on in a little bit. He said they say uh, Maine's congressional delegation. It says your delegate. It says your accusation that Maine lobstermen are to blame for the troubles of North Atlantic right whales is flat out wrong. And that was in a letter uh, published on Senator Angus King's website. Senator King is interesting because he's independent. Letter continued. Pianchi's on the line. I'll get to him in just a second. The letter continued. Right whales are not dying in Maine lobster gear, and the report blindly ignores everything that Maine lobstermen have done to create a sustainable industry. The Senator King, right? Imagine Senator King has to has to stop an aquarium from from ending his fishing industry in his state. This is staggering. King's letter was co-signed by Senator Susan Collins of Maine, you know, a, a, a gelding Republican. Uh, Charles, uh, we've got uh, Representative Chelly Pingree, D Maine; Representative Jared Golden, D Maine; and Democratic and Governor Janet Mills. So a lot of Democrats who signed on to this. They, they want their, you know, Democrats eat lobster too. Okay, And Democrats want the economy to work as well. He says King requested that the aquarium, quote, immediately reverse this, the irresponsible designation, adding that the publicly available facts rebut this aggressive action. Right whale deaths or serious injury have never been attributed to Maine lobster gear. And that's what's from Senator King. He says the last known entanglement with Maine lobster gear occurred in 2004 and the whale survived. Okay, there's more of this. I want to get to Bianchi. But um, this is just this whole idea that uh, basically a blacklist from an aquarium, is shutting down not only the uh, the main lobster industry, but they shut down the Dungeness crab season by, by forcing the California Fish and Game folks to redo their standards to, of an algae bloom, that those standards were so strict that they could never be met, because they always have more than that in their algae blooms in the spring, or actually the fall. Pianchi, good morning. Good morning, Greg. How are you? Okay. A little nervous. I got my David Stockman interview, and unfortunately... Um, I, I am. I was told that we, we. We. I can't take callers, and I can't have a panel discussion, so we're not going to do that. So, if you have a question for me, you know, tell me now. I'll, I'll check our live chat too to see if anybody has something. So, it's it's just me, and so I get to. Uh, but I got plenty of questions, so that should be okay. Um, yeah. So, so have you heard about this? this have, do you know anything about the Monterey Aquarium? I know because I lived in San Francisco. But have you heard about these folks, Julie Packard and the Wackos?
2: Well, this. All these sorts of things is leading to uh, separate countries. Mm. If you want that in California, leave it in California. Leave it in that country. I don't want it in my country. And people that want to come lo- eat lobster, they can come to your own vacation or whatever.
1: But it's like the CDC, the impact is that, uh, I mean, the Monterey Bay Aquarium has no legal power. They have no government power. They have no regulatory power. They have no power of any kind. They just put uh, Maine lobsters on, on their own little blacklist saying, don't eat Maine lobster. And unfortunately, the, the, the woke idiots in various corporations are not uh, selling it. Uh, restaurants are not serving it. And so they're effectively killing an industry just by putting uh, Maine lobster on, on their list. So that, they still have the power. That's the problem. Nobody has to obey what they say, they're just an aquarium. And yet they are. Well then and that's the part I don't understand.
2: People are isn't it the people just do things. Like you got the Walmart CEO is made statement that prices are going up and stores are going to be closed because of these thefts. Organized thefts. People just walk in, gather up stuff and walk out. Especially in these urban areas. Of course, you know, big Walmarts are not no longer built in the urban areas. They are in outlying areas, too. But uh, you still have these crime elements that uh, are neglected. Joe Biden taking credit for uh, Brittany Griner being released from Russia.
1: I just so, uh, read a little bit about it, but it was, it was too soon before the show to, uh, to announce it. So she's been released or where is she now? Well, he he's been released. release who has oh he's been released so who is what, yeah. oh, is, is she is she masquerading and, and trying to pretend she's a, a transgender person
2: She's the male in a relationship
1: oh well that's interesting see i don't know anything about him <laughs> fill me in we got we got we got a few minutes so who is brittany griner oh,
2: you, yeah. is like thomas, like it like michael thomas the she the, Laurie likes it. She's the male in the relationship. Wants to be a, the man. So hell, call them what they want to be.
1: Oh, so so Brittany is is a guy. What was Brittany's original name before he changed it to a her name?
2: I don't know. I think it, that is her original. That is when she was born. That is her original name. But she now in the relationship, she's the male, and the other lady is the female.
1: Interesting. You know, I talked about that. We had uh, Dorothy Diana, who does our our sex and sensuality report. And I asked her about that. You know, we were talking about uh, gay relationships, lesbian relationships. Even in those relationships, there still is a male and a female component to them of a same-sex relationship, which I find fascinating. What's the point of a same-sex relationship, which I thought would be two men or two women? If you're going to have one one... of the
2: females walk around dressed like a male, have a strap on. Under their clothes, like, extend down their leg, and all that kind of crazy stuff. It is crazy
1: stuff. Yeah, I mean, this is, so I don't well, get yeah, it. Of course, I don't get. It. I'm a straight guy. <laughs> you, know, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's confusing, isn't it? Well, it well it is if because you don't get it, what you, what do you think it does to the kids? Well, exactly. Well, this is why you have to be careful with the kids. You present, you know, age appropriate information to them. So I think it's a good idea what what Dorothy does as a sex education person. Um, What I don't like is, you know, the drag queen and all the other stuff. We've talked about that before. Um, But uh, but let me bring it back here. We only have about six or seven minutes here. But the thing that uh, galls me about this this aquarium is that uh, just as as I don't want uh, drag queens having uh, control over what kids learn in school, I don't want some aquarium to tell us what we can and can't eat and destroy entire industries just because they they want to have all our food come from from a pond. Or a tank, that's what the problem is
2: you know uh if the United States went to war with against somebody uh-huh. another country that was anti all the things that uh this nation is starting to develop, you know saying this, saying that uh, gender confusion, and so on, I don't think they could ever win because that nation would fight extra hard, knowing that if they lose, what's coming.
1: Um, that's an interesting thought. I so you think you couldn't give
2: away Hershey bars.
1: Yeah. And
2: win <laughs> friendships.
1: Yeah, actually, World War II, the guys had, had coffee, had chewing gum, had uh, nylon stockings they used to carry and all kinds of, they were bribes, basically, um, for the local mm-hmm. folks. Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, I think, it, we'll, we'll, let's talk about the United States for a minute, because this is interesting. So the last time we had a real war, a real shooting war with a country that could actually defeat us in a war. Uh, if if worse came to worse, was Germany and Japan, so World War II. North Korea was not going to defeat the United States in the Korean War. North Vietnam was not going to defeat the United States, neither was Iraq or Afghanistan or pretty much any other place we've uh, been to or Bosnia, Uh, where else did we go? I'm losing track now (laughs) Uh, of all these these military adventurisms that that were not, uh, they were undeclared wars. But but since World War II, we really haven't had uh, a nation that we have had a war again, and thank God we haven't. But, it, but we really haven't had a, a war like World War II since World War II. And so the question is, who would now attack us? And if they did, they would have to – the usual purpose of war is to conquer another country. This, is, this goes back into ancient history. So who's going to conquer the United States? And it, it's not the military that they're worried about. It's all of us gun owners out here. There's enough gun owners to defend this country without a military. I mean, who, who's going to occupy the United States? So they don't bring in an army. They bring in a bunch of illegal aliens and have them mix in secretly. See, it's all, done, it's all done clandestinely. That's the invading army. You know, and then they, they hide them with support and ITIA numbers and things like that. So that's our invasion. So the, so the left that wants the United States destroyed, they not inspire another country to do it, which is the classic way of doing it. They, uh, they bring in you know, millions of illegals. You know, don't give them the COVID jab uh, so their health is fine. <laughs> you know, give them all kinds of welfare benefits. Don't encourage them to get abortions. But Americans get COVID jabs and abortions and, and everything else. You know, so they want to reduce the American population of independent-minded people that actually know what this country stands for, and and replace us with an entire population of of, of peasant serfs who are dependent on government, who have no knowledge of freedom. That's how I see it.
2: Well, that's a good observation.
1: Well, thank you. I have my moments. Jesse's on the line. I'll bring her in too. And you can both stick around. Like I say, stick around until I get my uh, my David Stockman call. And so that's, that's going to be fun. (laughs) It's going to be a really good time. I don't know if he has 15 minutes. I don't know if he has half an hour, you know, like uh, Peter Navarro. I just keep asking questions until they have to go because you know, I don't, I don't get these opportunities every day. Jesse, what do you think? Lobster or no lobster? Does does the Monterey Bay Aquarium have the ability to tell us what we can have on our dinner plate? Obviously a rhetorical question.
3: I love lobster so they can go, you know, where these people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, do we, do we have any restaurants that serve lobster from Maine? Josie and I are both in the the, the Milton, uh, Pensacola area. Uh,
3: I think you can have the choice of Red Lobster, or either lobster normal. Well, I haven't been company. there in a while.
1: So. Yeah, Red, Red Lobster. I think has I don't has Alaskan crab. I think they ha- I think they probably have Maine lobster. Uh, I don't say Do they have Dungeness crab? I don't know. Huh.
3: But um, I love lobster, so I. I I don't see uh, these people they just want to control loss with everything and I'm sick yeah. and tired of it
1: well I'm see I'm sick, sick and tired of people going but, along with it see this is so easily resisted.
3: yeah
1: I know you know they don't have to do it yeah I know huh.
3: no but I was calling you because uh, Rod Stewart I sent you a text actually Rod mm-hmm. Stewart 11 uh, year old boy collapsed with a heart attack while he was oh, playing oh no
1: a game. Rod Stewart has 11 year old boy what is he in his 70s <laughs> how does he have an 11 year old
3: uh, he I has doubt. about five different women with so many kids. Uh-huh. So he wants to be like King David, 300 wives.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Well, oh, did, didn't Charlie, yeah,
3: Chaplin?
1: Charlie Chaplin had kids well into, I think it was 80 when he had his last kid. Really? Yeah, but I saw this that on, guy, um, on when Harry this, met Sally. This guy,
3: this guy he's, uh, he was saying, if you're not vaccinated, you're a killer. And he hated for people that didn't want to get the vaccine. And I sent you a couple little clips there, a little, okay. I took a picture of a couple things before they deleted them on, uh, on Twitter, you know, yeah. like they did with Irene Cara. I cannot find the first one when she was bragging about her birthday vaccine. Uh, so this oh, guy, gee, no, that's a surprise. Is, <laughs> yeah. This guy, he's with a vaccine, like, Oh my gosh. And now he's young boy collapsed heart attack. He's still yeah. alive, but that's pretty sad. So I put, I wonder what you think about now, because an 11-year-old with a heart of It is you ridiculous,
1: know, but, anyway. but it happens. Yeah. You know, and it's it's crazy, but it happens. Um, you know, we just had. Did you hear the, yes. any of the hearing yesterday, Senator Johnson's hearing?
3: Uh, yes, I did actually.
1: Okay, what'd you think?
3: And uh, good, good, but but you know, let me finish. And. Uh, Oh, I'm and sorry. Yeah, I had ahead. a nurse uh I had a nurse last night, she works at C V S and she was telling me, she says, This is insane I said, What? She said, You should see all these all the folks. They're up to the fifth and sixth boosters and they want more. I'm like, oh, What?
0: Wow.
3: And, and she's given a lot of the vaccine injection. This girl and she's pregnant and I told her, Look, just remember one thing, sweetie. every time you're shoving that it's the person's probably going to die so that the death is going to be in your hands so i made her feel guilty last night i think it's any way you can just shoot in the air with the liquid and then shove the needle and they're not going to do the difference so anyway so we'll see if she's going to do it or not but uh, she's going to get back to me but she's you know she's, uh, she's pregnant and i and i told her do not breastfeed your baby she's got only one shot this girl but it's, it it just breaks my heart. This this all the folks, they're insane. They're just they're blinded by the devil. That's sad,
1: you know. Yeah. They don't okay, see folks, the I... light. I have my guest, and He's so I've got go. Diane on the line, hold on, we've got David Stockman on the line, so let me just uh, pull something up here, Okay. do a couple of good changes, yeah, and uh, so this is this is a rare treat. I love when things like this happen, because I get to do uh, just these incredible interviews with amazing people. So let's welcome our guest of the day, Mr. David Stockman. So I found a little bio on him on a, for the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. David Stockman is the founding partner of Heartline Industrial Partners. He was formerly a senior managing director of the Blackstone Group. Stockman was a managing director at Solomon Brothers. He served as the director of the Office of Management and Budget in the Reagan administration and was the youngest cabinet member of the uh, the 20th century. Wow, I'm impressed. Good morning, sir. Welcome to Action Radio. Uh,
4: Good morning. Happy to be with you.
1: Thank you very much. I've got some uh, some things to tell you in a little bit because we are uh, probably the, the most unique radio show in the world because we actually have a citizen legislature. I want to get to that in a little bit, but let's get to okay. your book. Uh, you've got a list of oh yeah, I think you're going to enjoy this. But you've got a, a fairly long list of books. Did you did you start writing as soon as you left the Reagan administration? Books and articles. Yeah, I did. Known?
4: I uh, wrote a book okay. uh, when I left in 1986, uh, kind of cataloging what happened and why uh, we failed to shrink the size of government as we uh, originally intended um, mm-hmm. i spent most of my career in finance uh, on wall street uh, and then in recent times uh, i started writing books and i have a daily uh, newsletter or blog that uh, you know i have subscribers to so
1: you're yeah, right
4: in the middle of what's happening in the world
1: Yeah, yeah. In fact, I found it was was, was getting a little frustrating because all your articles are are a subscription, but I'll I'll, uh, I'll get that at some point, uh, get going here. Okay. Um, So, thank you. So, if you could, what did you find, the the reasons that during the Reagan administration you couldn't shrink government? What were some of the biggest things in your way? Well, it
4: was basically that Republicans like to talk about uh, cutting the budget of shrinking uh, the size of uh, the federal monster, as we called it back then. Uh When push came to shove, they always found a reason why the ag subsidies needed to continue or why, even though they were arguing education should be a state and local matter, that they really couldn't uh, roll back uh, federal spending for those purposes or that the entitlements were uh, too uh, politically sensitive. To touch, so you know there were a lot of reasons we did make a few uh, budget cuts in the first year, 1981. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, slowly uh, that spending came back and in, back into the budget. And by the end of the decade, after Ronald Reagan left, there really wasn't much of a trace of uh, you know the the number one objective he had, which was shrinking the size of the federal government. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I think when when he started the spending. Federal spending was about 23 percent of GDP when he ended; it was a little over 22 percent. So that's it didn't get worse, uh, and that's a tiny little bit of progress. But it wasn't any, uh, cha- you know, it wasn't any uh, sweeping change uh, in the direction of things. It was more like a pause. Which, <laughs> when we look at what we're up up against today, that that needs to be uh, given some credit. But uh, it really ended up being a pause, not a revolution. You know, we called it the Reagan Revolution, but it was more uh, the Reagan pause.
1: Well, let me give you the revolution then, because okay. um, I want to get into your book. We're going, to talk, we're going to talk mostly about that, but I just want to give you one bill. And I have other bills if, if we have time and if you're interested. But I wrote a constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. It's very short. It's one okay. sentence, but this, this is earth-shattering. Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution shall be amended by striking Clause 2, To borrow money on the credit of the United States, Section Eight, Clause One, shall be amended by adding at the end, and Congress shall have no power to borrow money on the credit of the United States, nor to print money to cover expenses greater than revenues. Hmm. Amendment. Okay. Hmm.
4: Okay, uh well, you know, that would be a a heck of a change uh from where we are today and a welcome one because okay. they've lost all sense of fiscal rectitude. I mean, but uh, I think the issue becomes what is the cause of a 31 trillion public debt which mm-hmm. by the way wasn't even one trillion when we took office in January 1981. Now that's 40 years ago, of course, but still, when you go from one to 31, at a time when the GDP, you know, so that's 31 times at a uh, during a period when the GDP went from, you know, three trillion to 20 trillion, you still uh, have an enormous breakout uh, of borrowing. So you're exactly right, but why did this happen? And I think the number well, one reason. Ah, Okay. The number one reason is the Federal Reserve made it easy for politicians to spend and borrow and uh, inflate the the public debt because the Fed uh, basically bought the debt, monetized the debt, and kept interest rates at rock bottom when the law of supply and demand would say – that if you had a $3 trillion deficit like we had two years ago, $3 trillion in one year, you right. would be driving interest rates sky high because the bond market would find itself flooded with demand from the U.S. Treasury. Everybody else would have been uh, kind of elbowed out of the market, so to speak. Interest rates would have soared. And it would have been a signal to the politicians into Washington that you can't do this. But the Fed instead stepped in, and as uh, we know, there the balance sheet of the Fed went from four trillion on the eve of the so-called uh, COVID lockdowns and those big spending bills. It went from four trillion to nine trillion during that period. So essentially, it was buying up the debt along with other central banks around the world, and uh, thereby uh, accommodating this, uh, you know, massive outbreak of fiscal irresponsibility. Now, the problem with that is it's not sustainable. And now we've got the highest inflation in 40 years because mm-hmm. the central banks of the world printed way, way too much money. And so you go from the frying pan into the fire. That's that's where we are today. And it's not going to be easy to bring this inflation, uh, which is still running 7% by the CPI, And a lot more than that, if you, uh, you know, look at it honestly, Uh, to bring that back uh, towards 2% to say nothing of zero where it should be uh, is going to take some really – there'll be a lot of broken furniture in the financial markets and in the economy overall.
1: Fascinating. Let me ask you something I've been meaning to uh, find out about for a long time, and that's uh, the opposite of inflation, which is deflation. Nobody talks about this. Or if they do, it's evil. They say, and I heard some ridiculous theory that you can't have deflation because people, when they see the prices go down, won't buy things because they'll want the prices to go down even more. That, to me, is irrational. People, if they see prices go down, supply and demand, just basics, they're going to buy more stuff. So why don't we talk about deflation and why don't we have 2% negative as opposed to 2% positive inflation? What would happen if we had 2% (laughs) negative deflation?
4: That's a great question, and as a matter of fact, it's this whole deflation uh, boogeyman that uh became the justification for the Fed after the year two thousand, especially when Bernanke became chairman uh for the tremendous money printing uh you know spree that they went into they They kept arguing we got too little inflation now. I started in nineteen seventy and I participated in the great uh, Capitol Hill and the great debates of the seventies when we had uh, double digit inflation and then in the Reagan era and beyond. And mm-hmm. the very idea that central bankers were complaining about too little inflation or low low inflation or we're not making our target uh, would have been ridiculous back in that uh, in those times. so this became in a sense, an ideology of the central bank to justify pumping endless amount of credit into the financial system on the theory it was going to make the economy perform better well you know we're reaping the uh, you know we're reaping the whirlwind today but the the key point that you've raised is there ne- the deflation in a uh general sense is not necessarily bad in fact it means that savers uh, savings will go a little farther if they're in retirement it means the paycheck will stretch a little further There is absolutely nothing wrong with deflation, and as a matter of fact, beginning in the 1990s, we should have had deflation if we didn't want our economy offshore to China, because China came roaring into the global trading system. It had ultra-low costs and wages, brand-new factories built with debt and if we wanted to be competitive with that we didn't need 2% per year inflation we needed negative <laughs> 2% per year or more deflation to bring our cost structure back in line with where it had been prior to the great uh, you know inflationary breakout of the 1970s so uh, you know this whole issue of uh, a 2% inflation target and that inflation is good for you because remember when you have a two percent target every 35 years the purchasing power of money is cut in half so in a working lifetime you you, you know whatever you saved in your early years is worth half what you uh, put in the bank and if you raise it to three percent which is what they're talking about now because inflation is so much above the target You know, every 25 years, the purchasing power of your money uh, would be cut in half. So, um, you know, we, we have a tremendous problem of policy at the central bank. Uh, this anti deflation you know that's the justification they constantly use that if we don't pump more credit into the economy uh mm-hmm. we're in danger of slipping towards zero percent inflation or below. And that's a terrible thing. That's what they tell you. And actually, in truth, there's nothing wrong with deflation. In fact, there have been long periods. And in, in, I point this out in the book. There have been long periods in which uh, we had no inflation at all or even slight deflation. And the economy performed well. For instance, from 1921 to the end of World War II, 1946. So, you know, that's 25-year period. The Mm -hmm. CPI on net went up by 0.0%. No inflation uh, beginning to end for 25 years. The size of the economy tripled uh, during that period of time. Yeah, Roaring Twenties. Yeah, well, the Roaring Twenties, and even though we had the Great Depression of the 30s, uh, even when you average that in and then the recovery during World War II, the point is the economy still tripled in size in real terms, even though we had zero inflation for a quarter of a century. And yet, you listen to these central bankers today and they say inflation is the essential, essential ingredient uh, of uh, uh, economic uh, growth and prosperity. and it, Yeah, it's the vaccines just are safe and
1: effective, too. Yeah, right.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I, I just saw yesterday, I was looking at, you know, um, someone had posted a nice little video from one of the so-called big thinkers on the Fed, Lael, uh, Brainerd, Brainard, uh, mm-hmm. you know, who's kind of probably next in line one of these days, unfortunately, to, to lead the joint. Uh, so, And this is January 2020. That's not that long ago, right? Uh, right. We're, yeah, and she says, we're struggling to get inflation up. January 2020, <laughs> a uh, one of the leading spokesmen uh, and policy wonks on the Fed was uh, saying we're struggling to get inflation up. And, and look where we are today. Uh, you know, the American public is being literally decimated at the grocery store, at the fuel pump, etc., etc., because of what these uh, clowns on the Fed have done.
1: Well, someone's making money off this. In fact, I read your, the description on Amazon for your book. So let me get the book title for everybody. The Great Money Bubble, Protect Yourself from the Coming Inflation. And you said it says here, Americans are facing sticker shock at every turn, from the gas pump to the grocery store and every kind of consumer service but the eye-popping price increases are just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the threat to the country's economic recovery. And this is the line that got me. Inflation showers windfalls on the rich while penalizing workers, savers, retirees, small businesses, and most of Main Street economic life. So who's benefiting? Somebody, if, if the target is 2%, that's, I've always understood that to be a transfer of wealth from our money to, I guess, the Fed, the bankers, the government. And I'm curious how that works. But somebody's making money off inflation. Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. Can yeah, you explain that, that, how uh, yeah. that works? Well,
4: uh, basically, yes, because they uh, pumped all this money into the financial system. The theory was that this is going to make Main Street uh, perform better. There are more jobs, more growth, more uh-huh. uh, increase in living standards. But it's totally wrong. It never all of this credit. And remember, the Fed's balance sheet was t- only 200 billion when Greenspan really kicked this off in 1987 when he became mm-hmm. Fed chairman today uh it's uh, 9 trillion slightly under all right that's a 45 fold increase in the balance sheet of the fed which just measures how much credit it's created over time 45 fold increase at a time when the gdp only went from 5 trillion to 25 so the gdp uh in nominal terms with all the inflation built in is 5 times bigger the fed's balance sheet and credit creation is 45 times bigger than it was in 1987 so when you're pumping money into the system nine times faster than the economy is growing you're going to inflate everything in sight and that's what happened the financial markets uh... stocks bonds uh... you know derivatives uh... Um, y- inflated enormously um, and uh, so therefore the people that ha- owned the assets uh... had a huge windfall Whereas anyone in the wage market competing with China found that their mm-hmm. wages didn't even keep up with inflation. And anyone who was already retired and had saved for a working lifetime, going back to the, probably the 30s and 40s and 50s, found their money uh, per, you know, uh, purchased half uh, of what it uh, uh, was worth when they uh, put it in the bank. So, uh, in short, wage earners ended up with the short end of the stick, savers ended up with the short end of the stick, Uh, people just trying to get by living more or less hand to mouth on on Main Street didn't benefit at all, and uh, therefore, the top 1%, the top 10%, that own 50% and 80% respectively. Uh, of the stock, um, ended up with a, a huge windfall gain. Uh, during that same period, the value of financial assets held by households went from ten trillion to one hundred and twenty trillion. But the overwhelming share of that went to the top one percent and ten percent. So, uh, the Fed is, uh, you know, the, the best friend uh, of the rich man who already has his assets and is a uh, you know, a mortal enemy of the worker and the saver and the young people starting out uh, who are trying to uh, build their own uh, financial security.
1: Well, let's change that. You know, Action Radio is all about action. And uh, I'll give you my, my email here if you want to uh, follow up further and, and, and work with us. I'm at greg at com. That's our website, okay. com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Uh, and I'm, this is Greg at write dot because I'd love to send you our constitutional amendment and let's work on deflation Let's make it a good word. You know, maybe okay. if you'd like to write a bill would you like to write a bill yourself and, and put it on our regular laws com website? Yeah. I'm serious
4: uh, uh, Yeah, well, let me think about that. But I think there's a lot in my book that uh, is uh, supported. Well, tell of us the cause let's and, do it. Um, and tell me. You know that you'll see and there's several chapters where I go back and just lay out the basic the history that shows the idea that we need more and more inflation in order to get economic growth and more jobs is just nonsense and Mm -hmm. that what you need is sound money not uh, two percent inflation and certainly not the eight percent inflation that we're uh, suffering from today.
1: Well let's go through your book and whatever time we have available again the title is The Great Money Bubble, Protect Yourself from the Coming Inflation. Um, Can you explain what a money bubble is?
4: Yeah, uh, I just use the term to say inflation is more than just $5 at the gas pump or, uh, you know, a cup of coffee going to $3 or $4 or $5. Uh It is the value of everything that courses through the economy. So we have had first inflation of financial assets, uh, unbelievable inflation since uh, the late 80s. We've had an enormous inflation of debt in the economy, and I don't, you know, I think that is uh, totally um, misunderstood by people. But if we look at, and I'm not talking just about public debt, the federal debt, which everybody kind of focuses on, but the total debt of households and of businesses, financial institutions, and government combined that debt was about 9 uh, uh trillion dollars uh, or or you know double the gdp in 1987 it is now $91 uh trillion today wow and uh, nearly four times the gdp now Why is this important, these ratios, uh, you know, going from two times GDP to uh, nearly four times? The answer is that's the leverage ratio of the economy. And the higher the leverage that the economy takes on, the more difficult it is for the economy to grow, for entrepreneurs to, uh, you know, create uh, the magic that makes for uh, high prosperity. Because everybody is struggling with too much debt. And Congress is going to find this out very shortly, even though the Fed did monetize everything. The Mm -hmm. fact is uh, inflation is out of control, That interest rates have now risen uh, quite dramatically in relative terms. They're not very high relative inflation, in fact. But uh, the debt service of the federal government is going to go from about $300 billion a year, which was a huge number anyway, uh, say last year, to, uh, to more than a trillion uh, in a very short period of time because uh, when you have a 2 uh, two or 3% increase in average interest rates on a $31 trillion uh, public debt, uh, it uh, very quickly uh, adds up in terms of what the debt service is. Now, the reason I'm focusing on that is that it's not just Washington. It's not just the federal government. Everybody, households have $18 trillion of debt, uh, and interest rates uh, are going up. And so, therefore, they're going to uh, uh, find that uh, the, the uh, debt service burden has increased quite substantially. Businesses have borrowed uh for bad purposes really because the interest rates were so low they you know borrowed trillions to buy back their own stock or to do M&A deals that really didn't make a lot of sense but were easy to finance because you could borrow money so cheaply well you have all this debt now in the business sector and it didn't add to the capacity it didn't add to productivity it was just financial engineering that eventually uh moved uh, wealth and assets to the top of the economic ladder. So uh, my point is the $91 trillion of public mm-hmm. and private debt that we have today is a huge uh, roadblock uh, to growth, uh, to rising living standards and prosperity, the very thing that all the politicians in Washington tell you they're uh, trying to create.
1: You know, it's interesting. We just had a midterm election. Um, where are the Wall Street investment writers and people and advocates saying, why are you doing this? Why wasn't this made a bigger issue in the midterms? Uh, is it going to be an issue in 2024? It certainly wasn't that much in 2020. The national debt is huge. And now I'm hearing from you, $91 trillion of total debt. You know, I mean, yeah. how much can our economy sustain before, you know, we go off that that, uh, that deep end? I don't think anybody knows yet. I asked that question to Dr. Walter Williams several years ago. How much debt can our economy uh, sustain. I was just talking about the the national debt, the government debt, but now you're bad at, you've basically tripled it here. How much can we sustain? Yeah. And why isn't this really being talked about and made a political issue by the folks that know the most about it? You, the Wall Street investors, the different folks uh, that that see the difference between the, the the Fed, you know, buying the debt and monetizing it, and all the consumer yeah. economy, us regular folks out here.
4: Well, you know, the thing, the problem is Wall Street has been uh, corrupted in in the sense that uh, they have learned to live with an inflationary Fed because it it has meant that interest rates are ultra low, so therefore you can borrow money in order to speculate uh, that stock prices uh, keep going up whether the economy is growing or not, and so that's the great thing. So essentially... you know, the financial system has been co-opted by this inflationary monetary policy. And, of course, the politicians in Washington <clears throat> that I I knew and was part of in the 1970s, <clears throat> Republican politicians were uh, f- afraid to death of huge persistent deficits because they knew – that it would lead to bad uh, economic consequences. Well, that that's all gone, and the politicians in Washington, uh, if you know, take this posture that well. In the long run, uh, you know, the debt's too big. We have to do something about it, but right now uh, we seem to be uh, coasting by uh, with no problems. So yeah. everybody has gotten the wrong message. They you know they've gotten the wrong signal. And it's leading to a confluence uh, of factors to, to a buildup of debt in all sectors of the economy that's going to you know gen- create a day of reckoning. Uh, and I don't think it's that far away.
1: See, that's the scariest thing I've heard all day. Um, I call it just we do we do a bunch of new terms here, like the the GOP, I call them the gelding old party for the simple reason yeah, that they right. – they, 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 you can use that. Feel free. Um, I found a yeah. quote in an article that you wrote uh, in Doug Casey's International Man. It says, David Stockman on inflationary hell that's about to break loose. This is a great, great sentence. He "The double-digit inflation is now guaranteed, and it will be long-lasting. That's because the Fed is occupied by what amounts to anti-volkers, and we can explain that. These group-addicted yeah. Keynesian crackpots are clueless about the dire inflationary fires now raging, and are still buying bonds, QE. I guess that's quantitative easement, and yeah, planning right. only. Oh, great, thank you. And planning only t- a tepid 25 basis point. Uh, rate increases when actually hundreds of basis points of rate increases are needed ASAP. Now, I couldn't find a date on the article, so I'm not exactly sure when you said that, because it also mentioned okay, all of I know when I, said,
4: <clears throat> I know when I said that. That was last winter. I think it was okay. around February, March, when they finally said that we're going to raise interest rates from zero by 25 basis points. Now, since then, they've gone into a panic mode, and they've been raising them by <clears throat> 75 basis points a meeting, and we're up to 4 Percent or 400 basis points, but that shows you how clueless these characters are back in March It was should we start raising rates or not when it was long past the time that they you know We never should have had zero interest rates. That's absurd because even then there was two percent or more inflation So you had negative real rates. Why would anybody save money in order to fall increasingly behind in terms of the purchasing power of that money or that investment so they were way behind the curve and even then they uh, you know tepidly raised rates by 25 uh, basis points here we are not even a year later and it's clear that they've barely made a dent in inflation Uh, you know uh, last month uh, on the CPI it was still 7.7 percent well you know, so you can't live with 7.7 percent inflation because uh, in 15 years your money would be worth half half what it is today. Uh, it just won't work, and so the Fed is, uh, you know, not even uh, laid a glove on this uh, monster yet, and therefore there's going to be huge further increases in interest rates and a pretty uh, rip roaring recession before this is all over.
1: Wow. I want to ask you one question about it, because the other part of your book is protect yourself from the coming inflation. But I want to, I want to understand the relationship of inflation and recession. It seems to me that yeah. inflation, which is government spending, government borrowing, government printing of money, inflates the money supply. That's like the accelerator. This is how I explain it to my audience. Right? And the break is interest rates. So you're standing on the accelerator by keeping the money coming in by 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 increasing the debt You're fueling inflation at the same time that you want the Fed to put on the brakes with higher and higher interest rates uh, That's get smoking tires. <laughs> it seems like we're not uh, accomplishing yeah. anything here So can you explain yep. that the inflation, recession interest rates? That whole thing.
4: Yeah um, it's, it's the, the big uh, conundrum. It's the big uh, uh, question of economics but basically i would put it this way if you create bad money you're going to get bad economic consequences sooner or later and when the fed was increasing <clears throat> its balance sheet by 120 billion a month which it was doing month in month out uh until as we said last march when they finally uh pivoted a little bit uh, towards restraint Um, you're putting spending power into the economy without the equivalent amount of production. You know, I'm sort of a great uh, believer in something that was called Say's Law. and uh, He was an an economist uh, 200 years ago who basically Mm -hmm. said economic life starts with production. Production uh, creates a reward to the producers in the form of income and profits the income and profits is then reinvested or spent and that's uh... kind of uh, the uh... uh... process by which uh, economies function and ultimately grow but remember it didn't mm-hmm. start with spending it didn't start with borrowing it started with production okay someone on a job producing something a business uh... you know delivering a good or service to the public So uh, if if that's uh, the fundamental um, correct sequence of economic life, then uh, all of this cheap debt, uh, which was designed deliberately by the Fed to add to spending uh, without uh, any increase in production, Uh, was a huge mistake, and you get to the point where the Fed then has to throw on the brakes, uh, raise Mm -hmm. interest rates. Now, it sounds like this is a mean thing to do, you know, but the interest rates that they're uh, pushing up, the uh, federal funds rate at 4%, is still way uh, below inflation. So that's not high in any meaningful economic sense. You need to have interest rates that are higher than inflation, okay. uh, so that uh, you know that an investor saver gets his money back at the end of the loan and uh, maybe a little uh, uh, yield uh, in the process. And so, therefore, we've got a long way to go yet
1: fascinating let's get to the other part of your book protect yourself from the coming inflation uh, I know you, you can't give away the whole book but can you, can you give me some hints? Yeah. <laughs> how do we do that
4: yeah uh, the first thing is stay out of the casino in other words we have so inflated the financial system Wall Street is so waterlogged uh, with all this excess credit that's been created by the Fed over decades and decades that uh-huh. it's an unsafe Place to put your money: the stock market, uh, uh, the bond market, uh, or even real estate, which you know supposedly is a good hedge when you have inflationary times. It was the, it was that in the 1970s, but not now because over the last three decades, real estate has been massively inflated. Due to easy money and low interest rates, so people borrowed hand over fist, speculators borrowed hand over fist, drove uh, real estate prices sky high, both residential and, you know, commercial properties. And so as we go into this inflationary gale right now, uh, the value of that real estate is not sustainable as interest rates go up. The opposite happened uh, happens as uh, compared to what has occurred over the last couple of decades. That is, the value of real estate is going to go down. So it's not going to be a hedge. It's going to be a big loser. And that means that the three things people think about, stocks, bonds, and real estate, are not good answers going forward because of the mess that the central banks have created. What do people need to invest in? Uh, One, they need to invest in their own financial management. In other words, this is a very tough thing uh, to contemplate, but we basically need to spend less, save more, and if you have a lot of debt, do whatever is possible to reduce it, including cashing out uh, some assets that have uh, had a pretty good run to pay down any debt uh, that has been accumulated because we're going into a pretty uh, nasty uh, economic uh, environment for a sustained period of time. So uh, the, the, the advice is stay out of the casino, spend less, save more, reduce debt, And uh, invest uh, some reasonable share of any available assets in gold, because when uh, the central bank money uh, finally fails, as it's in the process of doing, Mm -hmm. the one real money that's still in the world, uh, gold, uh, will increase in value. And certainly it's not going to decrease. Uh, Stocks, uh, they have... 10, 20, 40% down to, to go yet, depending on uh, which sector of the market you're talking about. Bonds are way overvalued because interest rates have been way too low. So the point is uh the, the way to preserve asset value, preserve wealth in the period ahead, is uh, with something that's not going to lose value, and that, that's gold. And um you know, the, the point is capital preservation rather than appreciation. We've had so much appreciation over the last 20 30 years that uh, there's no more left uh, in the
1: system. Wow, wow. This, is, this is really fascinating. Um, so if we as individuals lower our personal debt, then throughout the economy, that's going to have a positive effect because we can't stop inflation because we're not causing it. its government. It seems like the, the, the money supply is what's causing the problem and the Fed and everything you've explained so wonderfully. I to have to listen to this over again. But if, if, if individuals, if consumers, just as regular folks yeah. get rid of as much debt as we can during this period right. where, where you're not going to be investing in the, in the normal growth things, stocks, bonds and real estate, how is, that, is that going to have an overall effect on the economy? Will that change inflation? Recession what will that uh,
4: yes. Uh, well at the end of the day. Remember I said spend less in, in, in other words to save you got to spend less uh, okay. Spending less is going to help cool down the economy But uh, I'm making this recommendation not because I think an individual Consumer has a responsibility to correct a problem caused by Washington the fiscal and monetary authorities but because that's the only way to protect yourself, the only way to preserve wealth as we go through this inflationary storm they've created. But ultimately, uh, Congress is going to have to stop spending, stop borrowing, and the Fed is going to have to stop printing. Uh, After a period of time of getting back to sound policies, inflation would come down because that's that's where the inflation comes from. It comes from Washington. It doesn't come from people working or a business uh, trying to uh, do better and expand its operations. It comes from the uh, the officials in Washington. So they're going to have to change policy in a big way, but in the interim, uh, people have no choice except to stay out of the way because an enormous amount of economic turmoil and dislocation, uh, as I call it, an inflationary storm, mm-hmm. is coming down the pike. Wow. <clears throat>
1: Uh, I don't know how much more time you have, but I want to let you. Uh, bring um, up Yeah, I'm, I'm
4: sort of uh, up against another deadline here. Well, oh, that's so. fine. Okay.
1: Well, then, yeah. uh, thank you so much for this, and uh, you know, spending, borrowing, and, and printing. And I wasn't thinking the individuals we could change what the government policy is. Well, yeah, maybe a bit, but that our collective action as individuals might have a, an overall effect. So I think yeah. I, I know what we need. So let's get talk about the book, where to get it, uh, any information, book signings, anything you want to talk about to uh, uh, help with our book here, the Great Money Bubble: Protect Yourself from the Coming Inflation.
4: Okay. Well, I uh, appreciate talking to you. The book is on Amazon, uh, and uh, it's very easy to get a hold of.
1: Okay. Sir, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you this morning. I really appreciate it.
4: Very good. Talk. We'll right. talk again. Thank you.
1: Sounds good. Thank you. Yeah, bye. Bye now. Oh, boy. <laughs> Let me play something, <laughs> and I'll get back to my callers here. Uh, and just admit that 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 was that was amazing. Yeah, let me see, what we got here. And they play that. I'm not. I forgot what I forgot which things I played. So I play something again. Yeah, you get over it. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Grace Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Craig Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Action Radio, dedicated to fixing everything. Okay, now I can kick back for the rest of the show. We got Piakki in the line, and also Diane Warner, who's doing our election integrity report. Oh boy, <laughs> that was fun. I, <laughs> I really wish uh, Pianchi, go ahead. I
2: would have asked them about the Federal Reserve, but uh, why come the U.S. Treasury can't perform those tasks?
0: No, I would ask
2: him about, I would ask him about the u s the, the, uh, the interest on the debt, which will double to close to seven hundred and fifty billion in the what next four about years. we no, actually of mentioned
1: that. Uh, the, the interest on the debt is going to a trillion. I was going to bring up the point that that's that's bigger than our defense budget. But see, there's the balancing act when you have these folks on. Okay, so I have, I have, I have friends. Uh, in high places that allow me to do these unbelievable interviews because we're not as big a national show as I want to be. And we will be once we get out from under our, our, big tech suppression. So there's a balancing act. The balancing act is they come on to talk about a book. And so I want to make sure I talk about the book, but for me, I'm, I'm very Absolutely. selective. who I,
0: yeah.
1: Yes, but I'm also very selective who I ask on the show because I'm looking for people that can also help our citizen legislature. So I, I get the plugs in where I can. I ask them about our constitutional amendment to balance the budget uh i mean the, to excuse me to take away the power of congress to borrow money blah, 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 blah. there we go think greg i'm been on adrenaline for a little while here so if i sound incoherent that's why uh I, I do get psyched up for these big interviews anyway but the point is that i mentioned yeah, that one I, more thing I want to give oh yeah go on. we've got time thing. now we got uh, we got time to talk yeah, you know, one more thing down. i would
2: ask is that uh-huh. uh who's 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 uh who does this interest go to
1: we talked about that too owned, we actually did
2: who owns <laughs> Who yeah, owns no. these facilities that this interest goes to?
1: No, he said the one percent, the richest one percent benefit from inflation because they buy the stocks and bonds, they get the increase in the interest and they get the increase in the money. So that's who's making money. It's a transfer of wealth. And I, I'm gonna go more into that. But again, here's the here's the thing. So I wanna I have to ask about their book. I want to ask about action radio legislation. I got him my email so that he can contact me. Uh, And that's in the podcast. And so, and the podcast goes to the folks that brought him here. So this is, there's a strategy to this. On the other hand, I'm really curious to have him on because he's a very interesting person. He knows stuff that very few people know. He's the, he was the budget. He was the youngest um, person a cabinet secretary in the 20th century. I mean, that's that's huge. So he was this really young guy that comes to Washington, gets in the Reagan administration, runs the Office of Management and Budget, caused all kind of controversy, did all kinds of wonderful things to cut back on the size of government, which he explained. That's what Reagan wanted. Right. And I agree. Um, And then and then all of a sudden, you know, as he leaves, he's watching everything, all the good work that he did gradually get taken away by the deep state, by the gelding old party. It's like oh, you kind of chuckle at that. That was funny. So if you go back and listen to the podcast, I think you'll see that we really covered a lot. I want to listen to it, too, because there's so much in there. That was a rich interview, and so my my goal is to let them talk, let it, let's hear about the book, but I want to make sure that they know that there's an alternative out there uh, to business as usual, and that's us, and we do have legislation. I had more bills to talk about. I I had enough for for four hours of interview at least, and we usually only get about half an hour, which is great. But again, I kind of they want to stay longer. You know, I don't mind. I'm not going to tell them no. Diane Diane Warner, who does our election integrity report, uh, what do you think? Um
5: I think the thing that I would like to ask him is why have we never audited the Fed?
1: Yeah, that was on my list too. <laughs> uh, again, you know, I wanted to, it came to, I, I sort of got that sense that once I talked enough about Action Radio, I really better concentrate on the book because uh, that's what he's here for. I, and so that, that's the why they don't audit the Fed. Okay, go ahead.
2: Because if you audit the Fed, then you would have to reveal names where things are going.
1: Yep. <laughs> no, I agree.
2: That.
1: <laughs> well, I think honestly, if I get a chance to, and I'm sure he'll be back. But again, it's a it's the first time on the show, so I want I want to leave him with a good impression, uh, and that's why I immediately switched to to uh, talking about the book yeah. because first of all, I was going to do that run anyway. Off
3: the first time. <laughs> what's that? I
1: don't overwhelm him, Yeah, and I I tend to overwhelm people. Apparently, that's what I've heard. So I don't want to be overwhelming. So I, I'm getting a pretty good sense of okay. Let's get let's let's do what's uh, you know I've done my bit. I got him what I wanted to. Same thing with Peter Navarro. I mean, I introduced him to to uh, I think three bills: uh, vaccine product liability, the um, big tech censorship, and constitutional amendment to to stop borrowing of money. So he's going to think about that. He's never heard that before. I think that would be my guess. And so let's give us some time. Uh, let him think about it. He's got my email now. It's on the, it's on the record that uh, hopefully because you know you can't bug these folks. You know um, you just you know I want to make sure that, that I'd like to have it voluntarily, but I'll see if I can reach him again. Yeah, I don't know, a couple months after Christmas, after New Year's, and see if he wants to follow up with some of our, we have other proposals. Jonathan Mosley wrote a liquidity bill to handle all the debt that's going to come when the COVID spending stops. Uh, I have a bill that has a 30-day comment period that all budget items over $100 million, which is pretty low threshold, go to a 30-day comment, just like a regulation. Uh, And another one is, uh, one of my favorites, is the no withholding of income, no income tax withholding when you're earning your standard deduction which is what most people um, use anyway. So if you use your standard deduction, you know, it was $12,000 in in, um, 2019 when I wrote it. It It's probably like 13 or 14. I don't know what it's going to be for 2022. But whatever it is, and when we do our taxes next year, that you should not have any money withheld during the time you're earning your standard deduction. So therefore you don't have to wait for your money for next year. You get it this year. There'll be huge economic stimulus. And the only thing that would cost would be the interest that the government's not entitled to for keeping your money for a year. Those are the kind of things I want to talk to you about. Those are where we go economically. But, again, we've made a great start. Uh, I think we're on the way. Uh, there's a lot of things, you know, and I have to make that decision during the interview. What can I ask? What can I not ask? Where do we focus? You know, where is it going? How do I get the, 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 the greatest impression, the most information, the challenging questions, action radio, and talk about the reasons I here, which, was the, which is usually a book. So that's what's going through my mind. <laughs> Panel? Well,
2: yeah, those are, your bills are good but uh, and you're hitting on the same issues that the conference of uh- Co- committee of convention of states be hitting on because uh-huh. uh Congress itself is not going to do it. It's going to take state legislation to make those amendments come through
1: yeah but there's uh-huh. a there's a problem uh, and I've talked about this on the show before. The problem is that the way the Constitution is written, the states cannot ratify without a constitutional um Convention per se, well, or, or a convention of states. In other words, in order for the states to propose an amendment to the Constitution, they have to have a, a convention of states to do it. I think that's a flaw in the Constitution, quite honestly. I wish the states could propose them independently and, and ratify them. And when enough states ratify, say three quarters of the, so the way the way it works now, if, if Congress has a has an amendment that they want to the Constitution. They pass it with two-thirds in both houses. Then it goes to the states for three-quarters of the states. If two-thirds of the House and Senate pass it, three-quarters of the state pass it, it becomes adopted into the Constitution. So I think the opposite should apply, too. If three-quarters of the states... Hold hold on, let me finish the example. If three-quarters of the states... Ratify a constitutional amendment exactly the same one, word for word, you know comma for comma, the exact same amendment if this, if three quarters of the states ratify it, then it should go to the congress and if two thirds of the Congress also ratify it, then it should become part of the Constitution. But the idea that the states have to have a convention of states, and the Congress can just do it on their own. I think that's a flaw in the constitution
2: well really if this if it starts with the states and is ratified, the state if it becomes the amendment to the constitution, right? See, Congress is not going to. But,
1: but the convention of states is the problem, though, because you can bring in anything. Once the states are convening, who's to say no. it doesn't go to a constitutional convention? See, that's the problem with it.
2: Because it only takes it only takes thirteen states to throw it away. That's why. So if it yeah. starts with the state, and the, well, Greg, look, it, you need to come to some of these. Discussions where you don't have to argue about this.
1: Oh no, no I'm, I'm, I'm a member. I mean, I'm, a member
2: of law, I'm a member of the Louisiana Convention of States, and we talk about this all the time. Okay. The Congress is not going to do it. They are not going to do it.
0: Well, if you're still
2: in front of the candy store, mm-hmm. they're not going to stop. <laughs> so it takes the states to put it into effect.
1: So I agree with you there. So, so our our disagreement really is is in the procedure. I am worried, and I don't see, I don't think this is arguing. I think this is just discussing the issue. I mean, then, you know, uh, obviously we have if I twenty put, states
2: uh, that have signed right. on to this, and they agree to it. Okay. We just need uh, fourteen more, eighteen more, maybe fourteen more. I think it is. I get the numbers correct.
0: So
1: These how These you...
2: legislatures have already agreed to it. You need to get more involved. Go ahead with your
1: guests. <laughs> well, that's Diane. She's a regular reporter. She's also a friend of mine. Um, but the thing is, we've got the whole next hour to do that, but, but I want to I get this kind of settled because the danger, and this is why I think the, the Convention of States idea is flawed, is that you cannot, once you open up the states and then the liberal states come in and the liberal media comes in, you're going to lose control of it. Not you, but I mean the, the Convention of States, the conservative states that want to have specific constitutional amendments will lose control of that convention and all kinds of really bad things are going to be proposed and then you're going to be stuck with them. Unless, of course, you vote them down. I'm just, I don't, I'm not willing to take that risk. I don't think it's a good idea. I want the states to pass a resolution well, I, saying yeah, that we I want am this. I willing to take
2: to their risk as a citizen of this country, a natural born. Okay. I'm willing right. to take that risk. Yeah, okay. we got Illinois. It's looking at to come on. You got Michigan mm-hmm. that we're working on. So mm-hmm. that's the only way. You can't go to Congress. Congress not going to do it. If Congress was going to do it, we wouldn't even have these conversations. Well, it's a good idea to me.
1: No, I, I, the, yeah, well, the the goal is right. I think the method of getting there is flawed. What I would rather here's my proposal: is that the states individually, you know, through a resolution, which is non-binding, of course, but they ratify um, or the resolution that passes a constitutional amendment uh, that stops Congress from borrowing money. When three quarters of the states do that, that's enough to pass a constitutional amendment. That should, should those states should then start pressuring Congress by withholding money. By, by canceling some of their, their, their laws or over, overturning them in state Supreme Courts and doing anything they can to put pressure. And of course, the people will do that, too, in elections, saying, look, we want to stop Congress from borrowing money. So the people combined with the states can bring this about in Congress. That's what I believe. And you don't subject the Constitution to an open convention where anything else can be You're changed.
2: You're not opening up the Constitution. You're talking about amendments to the Constitution.
1: right. But you an amendment open up can be anything.
2: If you open up the Constitution, then all bets are off. I can go out and kill people. I won't face any criminal prosecution hmm. because there's nothing mm. that would say I can't do it.
1: Uh, no, that's, that's, when i not talking about the U.S. Code. We're not talking about the state laws either. But, but the actual Constitution, if you open it up to amendments, then it could, then anything in the Constitution currently can also be amended. That's the problem.
2: Well, I don't, uh, if you listen to art, how Article 5 is explained, that's not the case.
1: Okay. I'll tell you what, uh, do you know the head of the, the the Missouri Convention of States director?
2: I'm in L- I'm in Louisiana now.
1: Okay. Do you, we, have meetings,
2: we have meetings sometimes twice a week.
1: Okay. Do you, can you bring anybody to the show that I can talk to about this?
2: I think you have to go to them. Because okay. they're, they're, I mean, uh, their schedules are packed. They have speakers, people piling in, and so on, so on, so on. So, mm-hmm. and I guess it's just one of those things that you're going to get in line.
1: But uh, well, actually, I've they, had they have Martin websites Meckler, where
2: or, all this. You have I've websites where all Meckler. this is explained. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I had Mark Meckler on the show, and I wasn't as opposed to them when I had him on. This is back at WBY, one of my classic interviews. I'll get him back. I'll talk to Mark. I'll go right to the top. I don't mind. Diane, why don't you jump in here? Let's, let's, let's see what you think of all this. You've been patiently listening as we get to your election integrity <laughs> report.
5: Yeah, this is not my wheelhouse, Sorry.
1: you? <laughs> <laughs> you just want to pass?
5: Yeah. <laughs> okay,
1: well, that's fair enough. I, all right. Go ahead.
5: Well, I- I worry about the Fed, this is this, a giant Ponzi scheme, and I, he confirmed it all today, so mm-hmm. I've always just had major concerns about that, but I don't honestly know. I actually go to a lot of the convention of states meetings, and it sounds good, but I don't honestly know that much about it. So that's, well, I, let's I'm go to Article
1: 5. Let's, let's go directly to Article 5, then we'll get to your report. And so Article 5 of the Constitution, Article 5 says, the Congress, whenever two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, shall propose amendments to this Constitution or, comma, on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states shall call a convention for proposing amendments, which means they don't have to know what they are going in. They can propose amendments during the convention, which... Constitution says, in either case, shall be valid to all intents and purposes. As part of this Constitution, when ratified by the legislatures of the three-fourths of the several states, or by conventions in three-fourths thereof, as the one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by the Congress, provided that no amendment which may be made part... Okay, there we go. Little, little, little local stuff. So yeah, so the two ways to do it it is Congress um, by ratification and the states by convention of states.
2: Congress Let's has no by. effect on them. The only requirement of Congress is to set a place of convening, and if they don't, then the states can do it on their own. Mm-hmm. Congress has no control over the states. I mean, mm-hmm. the power of Congress comes from the states. And that's one thing, and I was going to ask this, this lady not to be insulted, but did you learn coming up through your educational years in school, did you learn anything about the founding documents of the United States? Was that taught to you?
1: Me? Yes, you. You're the, you're the only two people oh, on right uh, now. So, Pianchi, meet Diane. Diane, meet Pianchi. Pianki's <laughs> oh, regular, regularly calling me every day, which, which I love, by the way, even when we disagree. Go ahead, Diane.
5: Oh, um, I've got a couple of real good friends that are in the Convention of States now, and I'm sure that they'd be more than happy to come in and uh, and talk to you about it.
2: Okay, good. Well, we have them here, but what I was asking, when you was coming up through your educational years, elementary school and so on, was you taught anything about the U.S. Constitution and its founding documents of the United States?
5: Very little. Very little.
2: See, that's what I say. That is the problem, and it's, I think, an intentionally doing so that the U.S. public will be not knowledgeable of what powers that they have and how this works
5: yeah I 100% agree I think that we're taught what they want us to learn
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) I think we have a couple of the same uh, uh, I think we've got a a couple of the same convention of states folks too and I I think I've already asked one of them on and uh, so yeah well I'll I'll go to Mark McClure let's let's go right to the top let's see if he'll come back on and and talk to me and uh, you know see if uh, we'll see what happens it'll be interesting All right, let's talk about elections so we have our new election report, election integrity report with Diane Warner, and so it starts in four minutes. But we're going to start early because she called in early, <clears throat> which is always a good thing. But I, I was curious what you thought of uh, David Stockman too. Again, th- these are these interviews are huge when I get the chance to do this, and so I am. Uh, you know, it's one of the few times I get nervous on the show. <laughs> and uh, David, when I had Peter Navarro, Wendy Rogers, some of the bigger people, when I first had uh, Dr. Walter Williams way back at WBY, you know these are these are big events, you know, for me to be able to talk to these people it's, it's one of the biggest reasons i got into radio was so that i could be able to talk to people instead of screaming at my radio while listening to somebody else talk to them <laughs> that was kind of fun so dan welcome back reintroduce yourself and let's uh let's let's talk about uh, all the fraud that's out there which is rather G- legion at this particular time
5: wow I, it's like i get it's like a fire hose coming in every day uh-huh. there's more huh. and more and then, uh it's quite telling of when it I don't know, It's like a big tinderbox. When is all this just going to explode?
1: I oh, hope I, I oh, that's a good question. Uh, well, explode. Define explode. What? What? So what are you looking for as far as that goes? What do you think is going to happen?
5: Accountability.
1: Accountability.
5: Okay. I want mainstream media to actually start telling the truth and start sharing some of the stuff that's actually happening.
1: Mm-hmm. So, some media is. Um, you know, uh, Lyndell TV yeah. is. Steve Bannon, Eberle Robinson, Brandon House. Um, Two of them have been on the show, Emerald and Brandon. I haven't got uh, Steve Bannon yet. I'm working on it. Um, so they're reporting it. Uh, one American News, yes. uh, Newsmax are, are pretty good. Oh, the Newsmax is a little squishy. Hawks... Awesome. Go ahead. So what are you does, those are ones I consider our
5: channels. I'm talking about our channels. The yeah, stream. there's our channels and their channels.
3: Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. one of us. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 You get a little fuzzy in your line a bit. So I don't know if you're moving uh, away from the phone slider <laughs> or something like that. We got to get you a microphone. So uh, Christmas is coming up. So, uh, you know, you need, you need to, uh, to make, make big requests. <laughs> I need to ask Santa for a microphone. You, you ask Santa for a Yeti Blue microphone. So write that down, Yeti Blue microphone. And, a, and a, mm-hmm. you can get a cheap headset. So Yeti Blue microphones, that's what I use. That's what most podcasters use. And uh, so we got our, our big, you know, our professional, really big professional microphones. So what this does, it plugs directly in your computer, and I send you a direct connect, an email invite so that you can broadcast directly through your Yeti Blue connected to your computer directly online. It's clear, it's better. Uh, but every once in a while, like the other day, uh, it cuts out, and I had to call in on my cell phone. So you got a cell phone backup. But uh, I think you'll enjoy it. They're fun. So yeah, ask Santa, you know, to come down the chimney with a microphone, and away you go. We'll, we'll make you a real radio star.
5: <laughs> awesome. I just took off speakerphone. Does that help?
1: That's okay. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, but I don't like you putting your phone up to your head. Hopefully, you've got earbuds. Because the radiation is not good. That's not, that's not a report I've yeah. yet to do on, on on cell phone radiation, but uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'd rather have you on speakerphone, than not having it next to your head. But that's just me. Anyway, back to election integrity. So let's let's pick our fires one by one. Well, actually, let's go back to what you were saying a minute ago. That you think this is all going to explode one day, and I'm thinking there's seven slates of Trump electors out there. State legislatures are not putting them forward. They're not disqualifying Brandon electors, even though we know Brandon didn't win. He came to power at an insurrection. And we know that because we have all these Trump electors that were never considered on January 6th. And we know they weren't considered. That's why they had the coup January 6th, the January 6th committee and everything else. So everything's designed to keep the, the, the Trump electors out of the news, uh, out of Congress uh, and out of the situation. And yet Arizona had a big audit, but they never followed up. They never did anything with it. You know, yeah. and so they they never put their brandon electors forward uh, out. They didn't disqualify their brandon electors. They didn't put forward the trump electors. Neither have Nevada, um, New Mexico, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Georgia, the other battleground states that have trump electors still out there, still viable, They're not going away. So so where's the where's the explosion? Where's the fire? I think the geldings won't yeah. do that. I think they've already surrendered. The surrender party has done what they always do. Diane? I don't
5: know. I think you get a lot of blackmail. You get a lot of people that get intimidated, um, coerced, and then Mm -hmm. they they don't tell the truth. And I met with – the delegation meeting was last Thursday in Gulf Breeze. Which which delegation? um, Senator Broxton was there, Andrade, and, and Redmond. And I asked to speak, and then afterwards I actually talked to Redmond for a while, and he gave me some really good ideas. That's what I had called you about. But okay. um, he, the ideas that he gave me are, he said, Diana goes, he basically wants me to do his job for him. But that's okay because we can. So <laughs> how about
1: but, that? Okay. Um, so he, these are local? It's just he wants story. to. We're Milton, uh, so we're in Milton, Florida. Milton, we're Florida. talking about Florida state legislators. Okay. So Joel yes. Rudman is a, is, a, is a state representative. Our state uh, rep. Uh-huh. Right. Doug Broxton is our state senator. Yes. He's the one that voted the gun control thing after after Douglas. And Andrade is another state representative. So we're talking two state representatives and a state senator that all represent our area here in Milton, Florida, next to Pensacola. So this is the folks in in, in Turkey and, and, uh, you know, South Korea know what we're talking about. (laughs) That's why I do it. Yes. Okay. Well, um,
5: I had written up, I knew I only got four minutes to speak, and I had written up a bunch of different ideas that we'd like to change for legislation. And Mm -hmm. um, then I spoke with Rudman afterwards, and he said, Diane, he said, if you pick the statute, uh, he goes, send me a statute. You know, put a line through what you want to remove and put in there what you want to add. And he said, and that will help me to get it through a lot faster. And he also said that, if you want to, like, remove Eric or remove the machines, then you need to give me a state that's already done it, and I can walk in and say, you know, at the Senate, hey, look what Louisiana is doing or look what New Mexico is doing. And, you know, why aren't we doing this? And he goes, that's the most effective way to move your legislation. So
1: well, I, just I mean, he's just, said, he's just said Action Radio, please be Action Radio. This is a gift. Exactly. So let's do it. Let's let's write a bill. So let's just yes. uh, we we've we <laughs> we got to talk off air. <laughs> and so, so we need two yes. bills. Uh so we gotta get so so Eric, so no Eric. You should what's that acronym again, yes. just so people know we're not talking about some dude?
5: Electronic registration information. You have to
1: ask okay. an and 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 corruption? Elec- <laughs> Is that what the C stands for? All
5: right. I'm, I'm teasing you. Oh, I'm looking for it. Electronic okay. Registration Information Center.
1: Okay, and so that's the first bill. So no, Eric, I, I've got no with one of those circles and line through it. And what was the other oh, one? We're yeah, gonna do? Eric's horrible. And the other ones, get rid of the voting um, machines.
5: We get rid of the voting machines. Yeah, with okay. anything electronic, we got to get rid of it.
1: Okay. Is there a safe tabulating machine that has no possible way to have any kind of electronic connection to the internet at all? That only scans have, and shows numbers. I have
5: numbers? not found one. Okay. I don't.
1: So we need to say that in the bill. I
5: have not found that. There
1: are no viable, safe, non-transmissible, non-hackable voting machines in existence at this time. We need to say that in the bill.
0: Well,
5: yeah, and you never know if people have – you'd have to completely open up a machine every time before you use it in every center to make sure that they haven't added anything to it, you know. Mm
0: -hmm. I, I mm-hmm. just
5: think that we just need to stay away from the machines because that okay. is just a waste that. of time. Yeah, yeah. So now how about no go ahead. Well, if it also if we implement what and I like your thoughts as well too on like I was talking to my husband about this.
0: Mm-hmm. He
5: said if we every two years we redo the voter registration, I think every year is too much. I'm happy with um, but two every years. Two that, that's years. a good
1: modification. Yeah, I always ask yeah, the strictest because it, it's easier to negotiate down than negotiate up. So yeah. I propose a year, and then you say, "Well, we're going to compromise. We'll make it two years." But before we, I propose one year. Nobody was thinking of anything. So this—that's that's basic political negotiation one-on-one. Yeah. That's how we do it. But I also believe <laughs> <the> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I always. Be- but I also believe that it should be every year. But that's just me. If we're doing our car every year, you know, why can't we do our voter registration? And you can do, once you've established your residency in a county, I think you'd be able to do that online um, or even phone call or something like that or or some. well, not a phone call, but a a secure online re-registration. You wouldn't have to go in person, but you wouldn't have to go in person the first time with your passport, birth certificate, um, social security cards. Well, you need whatever the valid forms of citizenship ID. I think passport's the most viable.
5: Um, prove you're a pre- citizen. Exactly. Citizen, yeah. we well, I did
1: that when I came so to Florida. So many people. Yeah, I did prove I was a citizen. I brought in my my uh, naturalization papers and my passport and said, yep, here's me. And so yeah, I – and they were so like, much great. cheating now on citizenship. So
5: much cheating on citizenship now. So. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there is. Well, that's another thing. Well, let's get back to this, this convention, this delegation. So who was it sponsored by? Where were you? And uh, let's go back to our, our local – political, the, the Broxson-Andrade-Rudman uh, coalition, because I guess they're going to be working together since they're they're, they're both representatives are in the district of the, of the senator. So what was it all about? What happened? This is kind of cool.
5: Um, they just let the citizens speak. You could sign up a, a few days before it. You had to send in your registration to be able to, to speak. And there was uh, probably about 15, 20 different people mm-hmm. that got up and spoke and on just all different things that they wanted to ask. Well, you're you're not really asking them, but you're...
1: Yeah. Was this recorded?
5: I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I know that some of the people in the audience were recording stuff and putting it online, but... um, they, I don't know if there was actually a recording or not, but I it goes so the time goes so fast. I had so much more a minute to say, but I got in. I wrote it all out and I handed them each so I know they got all of my talking points, mm-hmm. <laughs> so they could. Well, you can make home. it here. Not sure they read them. They might have put got, you, them in the trash.
1: See, that's what I want to know. How do we? How do we follow? Is there follow up on this? In other words, the things that people said. <clears throat> You know, how do we hold them accountable for what people said? And they can still say, I can't do that. And that, that's fine. They, that's their prerogative as legislators. They can say, I can't do that. And they are saying, okay, fine. I'll take that into consideration at the next election. And that's our prerogative. This is how it works. So, they, but you still should be able they, to hold them they accountable. They
5: weren't making any speeches. They didn't make oh. any speeches at this. So they just It sat was there. only the public. It's only the oh. public talking oh. to them.
1: Okay. So, so who sponsored um, this? Who sponsored this?
5: It was in Gulf Breeze. Uh, they did it here last year, but um, okay. it, it was uh, J. R. a Republican
1: group. In, is it uh, Gulf Breeze Patriots or, or friends of mine? Who? Uh,
5: no, it was at the county commissioners uh, meeting. It was.
1: Was this uh, at a government the commissioners building? So a government yeah. function then? Oh, okay.
5: I think so oh, because this was at I don't know the name of it. It's in Gulf Breeze. I can give you the address, but it was at a mm. like their YMCA almost. All these people YMCA,
1: to know, it's time to yeah. see at the YMCA. We used to play that after every tour. We, I was on these duck boats, right? And I come back to uh, Fisherman's Wharf, and everybody wanted to do YMCA, so they could all stand up and dance as we go down to Fisherman's Wharf. It was great fun. All right, anyway, I digress. Past life. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I got to listen to Charlie, Being a tour guide is great training for talk radio, you know, because not only do you have to talk, you have to drive. And you have to watch people yeah. and, watch, and watch traffic and be coherent. And play music all at the same time. It's kind of like what I do here, except I'm not driving. That's about the only difference. <laughs> I'm not playing music that much. But I got buttons just like I had buttons there. to a soundtrack the whole bit. So, yeah, that was fun. And they did dance in the aisles while we were moving. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. So, you know, mm. those are the good old days of tour guiding. It's gone now with apps. People don't go take tour guides anymore. They don't care. You got smart-ass 12-year-olds saying, you didn't say this. I looked up what you're talking about. Thanks, kid. You want to do the tour? No. Okay, fine. Shut the hell up. <laughs> Well, I couldn't say that the parents were there. Oh, th- nice. this, you know, tour guiding is not what it used to be, uh, although I had some really fun moments, uh, especially the Blue Angels flow over us when we were on the Golden Gate Bridge. That was really cool in an open-air cable car. So well, I'll tell those story sometime. Let's get back to election stuff. So the government sanctioned this. The government. This is a a, uh, a government-sponsored event. So the question is, how do we do follow-up? Did they write up anything? Is there a, a summary of minutes? Is there a summary of the speakers? I would ask them that. It's like, so So we had this great meeting. You know, was it just for us to vent? Was it like a group therapy session or something going to come of this? That would be my question.
5: It's to vent. It's only to vent, I do believe. So it's a, let the public speak to the the delegation. So I think that's basically what it's for because they there weren't any speeches from, you know, Broxon and Redmond and Droughty. They didn't say much.
1: So they never addressed know, the concerns. Was, they never said, hey, that's a great idea. Let me write that down. Hey, why don't you follow up with me next week? They never said anything like that.
5: Well, Broxton did speak with one woman about something, but um, I'm not sure. It didn't have anything to do with the election integrity. So <laughs> um, but I don't know. I have no idea if well, there's that, follow a, up or an not. Well,
0: that's
1: an Are <laughs> they friends? Did they go it to It was lunch nice they, that
5: you – know well Redmond stayed afterward and we had all a lot of our county commissioners were there so and they stayed and they were available to talk to and um I know that um that Carrie Smith stayed and uh Ray Eddington was there and so was uh Colton Wright so you know we had a lot of our you know county do you know these
1: folks? Because you can invite them on your. I'd love to have them as guests, I and mean, we don't have to talk all the flaws in the election stuff all the time. I'd love to have some of these newer representatives on before they're corrupt and become, you know, part of the dark side of the force that, that works against us. Now's the time to talk to them. Yeah, I'm. So,
5: I'm real good friends go with Kerry Smith. Go Kerry? So, um, Kerry's good. You, yeah, he's
1: awesome. Yeah, and people think you know. Yeah. And I, I make this point all the time. I say, well, well, Greg, why are you doing local politics? Well, because our politics are your politics. You know, you have a Carrie Smith in your town. You have a Joel Rubin in your town. You have an Alex Andrade in your town. You have a Doug Broxton in your town. You've got all the same people. They don't change that much, okay? So local politics is local politics. But if we can talk about ways yeah. to help influence And I've politics. gotten to
5: know Joel pretty well, too.
1: Mm-hmm. He's been on the show once. Listen to my interview with
5: Joel.
1: Joel was? Oh, he was on the show. Yeah, yeah. Okay. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once. I say once because I invited well, him back and he didn't come back.
5: I, I really appreciated that he gave me that, you know, that good of tips to be able to help him. And
0: mm-hmm.
5: if we want it done right, I mean, if we want him to push this forward, we kind of got to do it the way he wants it. So, but that's okay. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm happy to put the effort into it and okay. we can get our collaborative minds together and come up with some more bills that hopefully he'll help push through.
1: Well, let's do I'm not right. sure so, that they really so start. what are you going to call your bill? Santa Rosa County oh, Election Integrity okay. Bill, or the uh, the Florida uh, State uh, Election Integrity Bill, or is it going to be election? Yeah, let's just focus on elections first of all.
5: We need to. It's it's a state. We need a state bill. We okay. need to get rid of America. we need to get rid of the machine. So, it's, so that will help Santa Rosa as well.
1: So here's your here's your title. Yeah. All right. So are you on your computer? Yes. Okay. Go to writeyourlaws.com. We're going to legislate. Okay, hang on one second. I got time. Pianchi, how you doing? Oh, you want to do, just, do this now? Stuff.
5: I thought we were going to yeah. do this off air.
1: No, we're going, to, we're going to do it on air. It's much more fun. But if you, if you, if anything that I talk about that you don't want to talk about on the air, just say, Greg, let's do this off the air. So you're always free to do that. Don't feel like you're ever, you're never compelled to answer or, or say anything. Uh, and I tell everybody this just because I, I'll ask impossible questions. Or if you don't know something, say, I don't know, no idea what you're talking about, Greg. Why don't you ask me? Give me a week. It's like, okay, fine. So we're very flexible. <clears throat> well, but the whole purpose of the show is a to lot show more people. There's a lot
5: more that I would rather like uncover as far as election well, just fraud the, that's happened in the state.
1: Okay.
5: So well, let's just get the understand. bill
1: started. Yeah, let's just get a bill okay. started. Uh, this will be easy. Um, and so are you on writeyourlaws.com? Writeyourlaws.com? So w- yep, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. I'm, I'm teaching you so that I'm actually teaching everybody that listens to this podcast. So there's a method in my madness, always.
5: Write your own... <laughs> law, right? My no, law? No. Your laws.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is the other half of the show. This is the half off the air. So write W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R Your laws. L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com I know you didn't expect this, but this is what makes it fun. She's like, Greg, why are you doing this to me? You didn't tell me we were going to write a bill on the air. I didn't know until just now. Yeah,
2: no bills. <clears throat> Is those yeah, you know. bills it's not coming up. trying to write it in right.
0: Yeah. And those and bills, that's go...
2: when you deliver them, you hand deliver them, mm-hmm. and if you got a group. See, when place, a group you see a group of people coming to them, they get scared.
1: Yeah, we're going we're gonna to put this into a group, and we're going to have uh, – there's a couple of good groups around here, like Gulf East Patriots and some of the other folks, even Convention of States folks uh, might want to uh, take up this bill. And then we'll get to various reform people. We'll get around the state. We'll, we'll contact local media, state media, national media. We'll, we'll do what we do best, uh, which is uh, be advocates. There are no journalists on this show, folks. Just to let everybody know, we're not journalists, okay? We're not impartial. We're advocates, pure and simple. So go to www.WriteYourLaws.com. That's W-R-I-T-E. That's probably where you're making your mistake. I'm putting it. it
5: in here. Nothing's coming up.
1: Okay, I know it. I know it works because I was on it this morning with uh, David Stockman. So let's see if something happened in the I'm meantime. Is
5: it Duck.Go that doesn't like it? Uh,
1: it should okay, be. Okay, here it goes. www.legalize. Okay, right okay, good. So, okay, what you want, so what you want to do now? So you see that beautiful homepage? Isn't that great? Yeah. So you look at the top of the menu bar. You'll have the homepage. That's where you are now. Immediately to your right. Is legislation yeah click click on that,
5: propose a new law
1: click on that, you got it, so okay. Diane Warner, citizen legislator, you're about to uh cross into a whole new world of fun and adventure, so what you want to do is put your name, uh, put your email that's confidential, so we don't we don't publish emails um. Let's make up a title. We, we don't have to get this all the way down. We'll just let's do this partially. Uh, let's call it the, uh, the Florida election integrity act of 2023. Cause that's where it's going to go. We're almost out of this year. How's that sound? Okay. Now just making, just start making notes. So in the section, so then you're going to, you're going to click on citizen bill ideas. Cause it, I don't know why, but that's just part of the website. It has to go somewhere. Uh, then you have to answer a stupid question like one plus one equals two, and once you've answered a stupid question, you'll see uh, a part there that's that's the main part of the thing that says what you're doing. That's where the, that's where the bill text goes. Okay. All right. So now what you okay. want to do is just start making notes, and what you can you can make notes on a on a separate file. That's what I usually do. I usually write them separately and then put them in here. But that's where you're going to put in so you can make notes to yourself. You know, number one, get rid of voting machines. Number two, decertify Eric. You know, uh, number three, whatever your main points are that you want in this bill. Um, have registrations uh, expire every two years. That'd be a third point. So you can actually save that, and then you can go back to it. And I'm not going to publish this bill until it's done. So you get to work on it you know, in the meantime. Ask your friends. Get some cooperation. Do whatever you want to do. Talk to me. But that's what we need. Yep. So all the things you want to put in there, it's going to go in that bill. What and do you say we'll, to that? What do I say to what?
5: What do you save it at? This only says submit.
1: Oh, well, I guess it would be uh, – yeah, then we'd have to change it. All right, I'll tell you what. Why don't you just – in this case, just to be on the safe side, don't save it. Just copy those, those notes that you made because now you know how to do it, right? So yeah. just copy the notes, put it, in a separate, put it on a separate document or a separate file. We'll write the bill out. And then when you go back to it again, then you'll submit it. And then I'll see it, and then I'll publish it. So let's work okay. on it in the meantime. But now you know how to do it. And I, and I want to do that so everybody knows how to do it. That's how simple it is to post a bill here, folks. You go to writeyourlaws.com. Yes, you click on legislation. You go to propose a new law. You fill in your name, your email, which is confidential, the bill title, answer a stupid question, click on citizen bill ideas, and then paste in uh, the contents of your bill. And it can be amended, too. And then what we do is, is, for amendments, people just put a comment on their bill. So I have the bill author, when they want to, when they want to change something, they post a comment. Well, I take the comment and change the bill myself because I get to edit all these. It's a pretty cool system. And then once you get I'm the sure bill, yeah, it's really easy. It's, it's disgustingly easy. It's, it's so easy. In fact, uh, you know, but that was part of the, the idea. It had to be easy. And I don't want people thinking this is for lawyers and complex things and it doesn't take years of training. It doesn't take learned people, you know, with black robes. It and took me to five Harvard. minutes. <laughs> it took five minutes. Yeah, that's it. So now when you write the bill, you're literally going to do just what you did and you're going to paste in your bill and you're going to hit submit. I'm going to see it and go, wow, Diane's bill is really cool. And then we're going to look at it and amend it and talk about it. And, uh, and then everybody who gets the link to that bill, once it's on writeyourlaws.com those bill links can be sent worldwide by everybody. So that's how you lobby it. Yeah. You send it to media. You send but it to I, government. Go ahead.
5: And I got some great guys on my team that are really good with the statutes.
1: So um, okay. a couple of them. It's, um, well, write them in English. Yeah, Don't write uh, them in legalese. Write them in English. Law should be written in yeah. English so people can read them. So, so your team, what your team can do, and this is going to be really helpful, is you want to go into the Florida statutes, the Florida code, and find out where the election laws are, and where you're going to put. See, this is the, the hardest part of the bills is actually not the writing of the bill, it's where to put it. So you got to find where exactly yeah. in the statute we're going to put this. So that makes. So when when Joel Rubin said, you know, you know, you want to make his life easy, you want to do his job for him. That's what you said about him. That's exactly what we want to do, because that's what the lobbyists are doing. That's what the uh, uh, the anti-education, the, the the critical race theory, the, the environmental wackos, the, the, the George Soros district attorneys, that's what they're doing. Those no are the obvious. You know, another thing. Yeah, go ahead, Pianki.
2: Another thing, your group may be consistent with 20 people. You need to target those candidates that's running for office and tell them that if you support this, we'll support you. You may have to... Uh combine strength with other groups that's biding for this candidate to carry forth their agenda because once you go to an established politician, they have already been prescribed by the lobbyists and others who help them to get to where they are, and they are fulfilling their wishes. That's why I come the citizens never get their agendas across because they come in on the back end they need to be coming in on the front end if yes. greg is running for office you say greg i need we need for this bill to get attention and if you do so we will support you we will support you at the poll we will talk to our friends and neighbors and so on so on so on but once greg is elected greg don't really have to listen to you because he's already elected <laughs>
5: yeah <laughs> Well, I we have a, another group that I'm involved in, in that we are, you know, searching for candidates, and we are doing background checks on them and before we get behind them. And so I want to have a real good rapport with just about everybody that gets elected for the next whatever 10 years. So I will be able to walk to them and go, hey, let's look at this bill. We need some support. And, you know, have that relationship where you can get it and know that you put somebody in office that's going to help you support to get election integrity back into office. Because, I mean, if we don't have that, we're going to lose our freedom. It's just I don't know that people really understand the gravity of this. And um,
1: I think they understand, but they don't know what to do about it. And this is what Action Radio is all about. You know, we give a very simple way for, for you, for example. I don't think you had any idea how easy it was to write a bill. And to get it out there. Yeah. See, so here's the thing too. Yeah. Not only will, will will the folks here look at it, the, your group will look at it, but people in in other parts of Florida is going to look at it. People in every state is going to look at it. We have uh, we have a, a growing following in Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, and England that are going to be looking at it. You know, they're going to have to adapt it to a, a parliamentary system. Which I want to learn how to write bills for for uh, for that system. You know, I mean, I already did that with the Australian Bill of Rights. I, mean, I want to learn how to write uh, bills for everything. We talked about this the other day, monarchies, you know, dictatorships, you know, Iranian fundamentalist theocracies. I want to learn how to write bills for all of them. I just don't want want people killed in the process. You know, I don't want to try and avoid that. Yeah, but, uh, that would be important. Oh, listen, you write some of the, well, you go to China and, and tell Jing, uh, Xi Jinping that, you, that you, want, you have the bill that you want to write. <laughs> how long do you think you're going to be alive? Not long. Yeah. You know, don't so want China's to live here I mean, that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so, so China's our last stop. On... Go ahead, Jackie.
2: I was going to tell her, we wrote a bill on the ballot, that the federal ballot with candidates, the ballots with federal candidates,
0: mm-hmm. and yeah.
2: congressperson, U.S. senator, and president should be separate from state and local. And they should have their own vetting system, similar through U.S. passport, of who can cast a vote on those ballots because this is the reason why if you got the federal candidates on a local or state ballot, especially locals, because locals allow illegals to vote, Well, what's to keep them from walking up ballots and putting marks by any of those names? There's nothing. You don't know when the ballot is turned in, you don't know who turns it in. There's no name, description, ID on it. So they should be separate.
1: Well, the only thing is, you've got to safeguard yeah. that. How are you going to check that uh, that the local folks folks aren't given a, a federal ballot too?
2: Well, if they qualify, they can get a federal ballot if so they, you uh, they have the proper identification.
1: Right, but, it's, but identification who's to say that they won't get
2: a passport? Identification to get a passport is more than just producing the driver's license. You got so to show that you're a U.S. citizen.
1: Yeah, but you'd have to standardize. Uh, the federal ballots, that would have to be uh, – the state legislatures would have to make sure that everybody has the same standard for federal ballots. See, this is, this is what I'm, I'm no, saying.
2: No, no, no. <laughs> the federal the, – the, the Congress can set the standards for a federal ballot. State and local can set the standards for their own ballots because they're different countries. Florida is different from New York. New York is different from Missouri. But yeah, the we federal ballots can be standardized.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, we talk just for Diane. We talk about the states as countries. I call them I call them nation states. Pianchi calls them countries because they are separate entities. Um, so I have to I think I think you're right on that. I'm pretty sure. I just have to uh, to check it because I want to make sure that that's in your bill. So Diane, you want to take a look at Pianchi's bill? Absolutely, uh, it's a great idea. I just well, you know, what details. might help is if mm-hmm.
5: if we got some legislation that would demand that our DMV actually checks nationality is
1: see if people are citizens that would oh, actually I, a, help oh, I, I got a bill i've got a bill on that that do that do it's, it. yeah i've got a <laughs> bill well i don't care what the courts say the courts are not representative uh, they don't make laws they they can't tell us what we can't do so i already have a bill on that it's called the citizenship id bill so what it does is it puts your citizenship right on your driver's license you know american permanent yeah, resident but the
5: thing about that is Greg, mm-hmm. it's got to be verified, and that's what Petey Antonucci was saying. Is that the DMB that people are just Petey Antonucci? He, um, this is this is one thing that I wanted to talk about last week, but we ran out of time. Uh, he was appointed by this. He was yeah, he was appointed by DeSantis to mm-hmm. be the head of the crimes, the election crimes committee,
0: mm. and
5: he um, he actually died. He died of a massive heart attack in last oh, sure August. uh
1: huh he was the vaccine?
5: Was, well, he was, he was in – I don't know. I, it, it worries me. But he ended up um, having a, a very – this is from what I heard. I don't – I didn't – I wasn't there, so I didn't verify it. But he was mm-hmm. in a heated argument at the SOE's office. And he walked out in the hall and died of a massive heart attack. So but he was like one of that. the few up there that he yeah, was actually could... really uh, – he was really actually um, – investigating and worried and he he hates eric he was really looking into eric and he also said that our voter registration is flawed and it has major problems Mm -hmm. and so what i started looking into is that well and i don't really want to tell people how to do this but there is a way Mm -hmm. that illegals can get registered fairly easily and it's not verified
1: so, so what you do um, is you put that in the bill. You <laughs> know another way. Yeah. The, see the illegals are another way it, they uh, get registered yeah.
2: mm-hmm. is because the federal government was issuing those I ten individual tax identification numbers to illegals who don't qualify for Social Security card, and they can use those I ten as a reference on home mortgages, and they are issued. Yeah. They are receiving loans for home mortgage. Well, once you get a home mortgage that shows a resident address, you just take that to the voter's registration, you can register to vote, even though you're illegal.
1: Yeah, legal shouldn't wow. be able to get yeah. home mortgages. I, I would have, so now here's here's just to expand on this, and I want you to take a look at this for a, a future show. Our citizenship uh, ID bill, it puts your citizenship on your driver's license so that law enforcement doesn't have to go investigating. It's right there, okay? Uh, and, and your citizenship is public information. It's not private. You know, when you leave the country or you, you come into the United States, you have to declare your citizenship right there, you know, at Customs and Immigration or, or Homeland Security now in front of everybody. So it's not like it's a private thing. So if you have a visa, yeah. your expiration date should be on your driver's license because people on visas, they can get driver's licenses. They can't use it for voting, of course. Yeah. But if they're a visa holder and you have their expiration date. So if they're there, if their visa's expired, yet their driver's license hasn't, mm-hmm. well, you report them to uh, ICE and you get them out of here uh same thing with uh with permanent residence your permanent when i when i had a green card okay i was driving as a canadian citizen before i got my american citizenship on a green card that should be on the driver's license and then your citizenship if you're a natural born american or a naturalized american that should be on your driver's license so that law enforcement has you know whatever they pull you over we could we could find so many people so many illegals if you simply had citizenship on your driver's license and then what you do once it's there is that you require the proof of citizenship. In other words, you show your driver's license for pretty much everything, to get a bank account, to get a credit card, to get a job, to get a mortgage, to to rent a place, to to rent a car, to uh, send money out of the country, to receive money from out of the country. Well, of course, the vote. (laughs) The vote and serve on the jury are the easy ones. But I'm saying, but everything else, I'm I'm talking, yeah, I was thinking beyond that. But there's like a list of 20 things where you have to prove your citizenship uh, to buy a gun, to do all kinds of things. But it's right there in your driver's license. It's not a problem. It's right there. Yeah. So once you put citizenship on the driver's license and you require it for virtually everything, for any any financial transaction, or, in other words, you, may, you the goal is to make it impossible for illegal aliens to function here. So they leave. Well, that's I, I it. want it to
5: be a verified citizenship because I don't think the DMV is verifying it, and I don't think that our no SOE's no no office, no
0: this would be any of the would,
5: SOE offices yeah. are not verifying it, and that's right. the point. It's yeah. um They're sneaking in. They're and like. I think I did say this on the show last week, but like 48% of the people in, uh, that had been checked for the mail-in ballots in in Arizona, their Social Security number didn't match their, uh, their ballot, the name, the mm-hmm. last name on the ballot. So look right. at how many fraudulent ballots there were, and I think a lot of them snuck in by illegally registering at the DMV. So um, well, yeah. that's just some things There's that no we really
0: need to... Yeah.
2: There's no way to check them. It, 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 the, the license would have to say not verified for a federal election, not verified for a state election or a local election, because you got some local communities that think it's mm-hmm. fine for illegals to vote, especially for school board issues.
1: Yeah, well, that's why and then we got that. Yeah. you got to arrest them. Yeah.
5: <laughs> Well, then we got the spouses that work for the state, and the other one works for the federal, and they help with their <laughs> each other's elections, and that gets really crooked. So well, we're not we perfect.
1: We're just trying to to you know fix as yeah. much as we can. But the thing is that uh, there was a clause in that bill that says that this is verified. In other words, in, a, in order to get your driver's license and your citizenship declaration, you have to go through uh, a passport or naturalization papers or something like that. So the the DMV not certifying your citizenship, they're just putting it on your driver's license. So yes, it could be. Yeah, to get a driver's
2: license, you just need to show, to get a driver's license, you can just show a cable bill in some mm-hmm. states.
1: Right. But in order for it to be used but, for ID purposes for, for for voting, then you have to have your citizenship, you know, emblazoned, you know, on the driver's be, license. Itself. It
2: has to be specific like that. Yeah, I agree yeah. with
1: you. That'll work. You know,
2: so that's the so problem. You got a lot of people that's not even supposed to be in the country that's voting. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Dan, would you want to incorporate yeah. that into your bill, or do you want to do that as a separate bill, or you want to take a look at it first? I can um, send it to you. I
5: think we just—I would rather make singular bills with like one main issue and okay. put it out, and well, you, can do you a know, them. yeah, yeah,
1: you can bring a couple I things get under really election integrity. sick of Yeah,
5: the legislation going in, and I mean, we don't have line item veto, which I think that is so important, and they—they they just put. I hate it when they go in and they put a 900-page bill in, and then on mm. the very last part of the bill, they put in, you know, a million dollars for gender studies in Zimbabwe, you know. It's <laughs>
0: just a crazy like, Yeah, exactly, yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, yeah.
5: You know, it, it's ridiculous, and, and that's in fine print at the very bottom. And, you know, the pork
1: that we have me?
5: allowed these people to get away with is
0: just
5: – and it's our fault. We haven't held them accountable. You know, all these years it's like, ah, eh, we don't know what they're doing in Washington, we just kind of ignore it and but I I would like to go make things much more simple. Our election reform with legislation. Have simple well, bills put, put them clauses. in and I like you
1: Yeah, you can do a couple of clauses do under I? a heading of election integrity. You can do a couple of clauses. I'm sorry, I think I interrupted you. You can do a couple of clauses. You can do like uh, Josie mm-hmm. has a bill on fingerprint ID. So you can put in fingerprint ID, you can put Pianchi separate ballots, you can get rid of Eric, and you can get rid of voting machines all in the same bill. That's not that those are close enough related. If you have four separate bills, you know, you want all four of those things. So it wouldn't be a bad idea to put them on, but you can do that in, in one or two pages. There's not a lot of law change to do that. Okay. Yeah. I just, I just don't big, want we'll something that's
5: really watered down and have a mm-hmm. lot of stuff because then they're just going to ignore it. But um, And I, I would love to get back to line item veto so they can, you know, that's how they blackmail each other up there. Well, if you add this to my bill, I'll add that to your bill. And oh, yeah. No,
1: they I so get line item veto for who, the governor? The governor has line, line, line item veto or not. No, we can the,
5: the legislators. Uh,
1: yeah, explain. You go yeah, yeah, explain your – yeah, go ahead, Bianca. Then I'll get an explanation.
2: Were you kidding about the the gender studies in Zimbabwe, or is that really is that real?
5: Yes, absolutely. And I don't remember if it was oh, in Zimbabwe or some country, but it was like millions of dollars that they were doing gender studies in a different. You know country. what's going and on there? Let me tell you how here. they
2: do that. If you look and see if you have a population of people in your in your county from their country and that's how they're trying to communicate to them you elect me i get money for your country through this that's the way these scoundrels do that it's the cubans they would say the same thing in order to get a bunch of cuban support if you got some other refugees in your country in your county or say afghanistan well if you we want money to cover such and such a thing uh in afghanistan if i'm elected i so that's how they communicate with people, groups of people to come onto their site.
0: Yeah.
5: But it's it's such a waste of our tax. I it, I know it would help the people in Zimbabwe or where. I, I don't know if it would help them or not. But
2: you that's know, it's like, our problem.
0: problems first.
5: It ain't
2: your problem. It's not our problem. It's Zimbabwe's
1: problem. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And he don't exactly. care. Let's he's spending our your money to get
2: elected.
1: Yeah, yeah. he's spending the Let's money to get problem elected. Problem first. All right, one at a time, folks. You're as bad as me. Go ahead, take your turns. <laughs> um, it's a talk show. That's what happens. We get enthusiastic, but uh, so that's yeah, what's going on,
2: and, and you got to do the same thing. You got to fight fire with fire. If they use those type of tactics, you got to come up with a tactic also in order to get people on your side.
1: I agree. Yeah. I'm all for fighting fire over fire. In fact, we have. A, in fact, I want to get Project Veritas involved with us again. I had them on the show way too long ago, I want to get them back to hopefully sponsor some investigations and then cooperatively work with them Cooperatively work with them so that what they find in their investigation, we can use and turn that into citizen legislation to fix the problem. So right now, yeah. investigation. This is part of journalism. They, they talk about the story and they tell the story. Look at Andrew, Andrew Zin, 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 Zin you know, from Open the Books. Brilliant documentation. Absolutely fabulous. Doesn't change a thing because he just writes about the problems yeah. we already know in excruciating detail. And he's absolutely right with what he writes about. His figures are great. And, you know, uh, I based my, uh, my disarmament of the federal government, of their unconstitutionally armed uh, bureaucrat armies, based on his, uh, his study, the militarization of America. But otherwise, it would just be a study. It wouldn't go anywhere. And so what I want to do is take these studies and take this information from these people and make it go somewhere, turn it into actual legislation. So I post on your, on your Messenger the, um, the Citizenship ID Act, so you can take a look at that and see what you think. But uh, if you take um, Pianchi's bill, I think should be a separate bill. I would consider that separate. I would present that uh, to your folks, to your team. Uh, I got to find who the team is. I'm kind of curious now, but anyway, that's, that's, you, you can tell me later. Um, the other thing is Josie's bill on fingerprint voter ID. So in other words, not only do you go to the, the polls with your, your regular ID, but you do a thumbprint and if it's good enough for Disney, it's good enough for, for elections. So she's got a bill that you might want to include too. These are the ones that are already written that should be kept separate. And then the Florida election integrity bill that you're going to put together um, would be a separate bill too, but that can include no Eric, no voting machines, um and uh, I think there's a couple of other things that you mentioned. But they should be in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Now, here's, and what's the timeline? I'll send them now? to Rudman. Well, here's the, the question. Is the timeline? Well, uh, they they only get six bills, and the, and the session starts in January, doesn't it?
5: I Rudman said that he probably wouldn't even be – and this was a while ago. Um, mm-hmm. He said March, almost March, before he would be putting any bills out.
1: Maybe a bit of sessions um, later then. All right. We'll talk to him and find out the timeline. See when we have to have bills in by, And is he thinking of sponsoring other bills? Because he only has six. And is one of those six going to be your Florida Election Integrity Act? That would be a good thing to find out. And we should get Joel back on the show. So if you can actually, I would call him today if you can. Get a timeline on that or as soon as you can. And let's find out. And then get back to me and let I want to know what kind of time frame we're working with so that we can get the bill to him in plenty of time for him to, you know, have it printed up and do whatever it is they do in the state legislature. I don't want to miss a deadline. I don't want to have to wait until next year on something we can do this year simply because we didn't check on the timeline.
5: Well, I would like to have it already wrapped up by January 1st. I mean, that's, I want it in by then.
1: Fine So he wouldn't have any. I'm games. game. Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I I don't have much else on doing be besides action it's not that hard to do. Yeah,
5: I just got to, we got to get the statutes in there. And then mm-hmm. uh, I just want common we'll English.
1: Or yeah, you write normal the bill. people. Yeah. And have your team find that's where it. in the law it is because it's, it's, that's, the, that's the legal research. So especially if, they, if they've done legal research, I learned how to do that. I took some legal studies courses back in college. All this stuff comes in handy like, you know, 40 years later. It's funny. Um, <laughs> but that's, a, you know, that's how, how I learned how to do a lot of the stuff I do is I did legal research for for college projects in a legal studies class. So you find the statute, you find the code, you find exactly where the law is, and you may be adding, you may be just deleting stuff, but chances are you're going to be both deleting and adding, in other words, amending uh, a certain section of law. You're going to take away the bad language, and we're going to put in the good language. Out with the bad air, in with the good. It's like resuscitation. Out with the bad, in with the good. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, anyway.
5: there's, there's also good. something okay. there. I wanted to go into a yeah, couple right. of no, other things put... too.
1: Yeah, yeah. We got well, 20 we minutes. Well, we're going to talk go about Arizona. 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 Yeah, we we want to discuss do, Arizona do, too. That song is yeah. Go ahead. Tell me about Arizona.
5: Well, I know that they have they started a it's like a Project 60, 65 project. Have you heard of that?
1: Nope. Tell me what's that?
5: Okay. That is where. Uh, Well, actually, Katie Hobbs right now is – a lot of information has come out about her tweets, and and I think we can um, owe a lot of this to Elon Musk, where he's showing tweets of Katie Hobbs where she posted – there is a a picture of it where she Mm -hmm. is censoring people
1: Hmm. on Twitter. This is is from
5: 2021.
1: This is the Secretary of State – who's the secretary of state of Arizona, Arizona. who controls the elections, who is censoring people while she's running Mm -hmm. for governor. Uh, This was in January, 2021. Mm -hmm. And I've got,
5: absolutely. And it is taking people out online and censoring what they're saying about Mm -hmm. the election. Hmm. So, and then they started this, 65 project and I, I just heard about that. I don't know a lot about it yet, but it's basically going after any lawyer and trying to take away their license if they are fighting for election integrity.
1: Oh, isn't so, that special? Um, That's like the doctors, you know, the, the panel in Washington yesterday, yeah. Senator Johnson. Friends of mine, Jim Thorpe, who's a doctor uh, in Gulf Breeze. you know, in fact, I'm going to talk Love to him. Jim, to, Thorpe. Jim, Love Jim Thorpe was Jim. part of our world's greatest doctors panel. Jim Thorpe's amazing. Uh, I want to know he's what happened wonderful. at that, that panel you know, behind the scenes. I'm going to be able to talk about it. And I want to ask if he can contact Senator Johnson or get me somebody that I can contact in his office to get him our vaccine bills and our big tech bills. So I want, I want yeah. uh, Jim Thorpe back. Yeah, he's fabulous. But he was there. And
5: Johnson is one of the few people up in Washington that I actually still trust. <laughs> so.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. He's the only one of the senators that's pretty good. Then he had, like, the second tier. But there's as some, like, Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton. Uh, Rand Paul, except for his wife, who invested in Gilead, which produces remdesivir. And that sort of brought him down a bunch. Uh, and Ted Cruz are pretty good. but um, And a few husbands. Well, let's, uh, I don't you know. Ted project?
5: Cruz is pretty much a random one.
1: You
2: right, know, Yaki, one it. would right. have to look at uh-huh. and see who is it that's voting for somebody like Katie Howell.
0: Hmm.
5: And I would
2: guarantee you it's a lot of people who shouldn't be voting.
1: There's a lot of bots, <laughs> fake people. Well, what was that? Remember that yeah, comment on Facebook? A... Someone said, "Well, how is it that they can take away votes?" I said, "They're not taking away votes. They're just changing the numbers. They're just changing the tally. They do it by computer. They hack." Uh, who was it? Um, Herschel Walker lost twenty thousand votes at ten o'clock yeah. at night uh, on the first election, before the runoff. Gee, how'd that happen? Yeah. was well, easy. You just broke on the computer. <laughs> So not only do you have to get rid of the There's voting forces. machines, you have to get rid of the voting. Uh, you have to get rid of the computer hacking of the, the actual tallies. That has to be done by phone. That cannot be done, you know, or call or something, or publish the results on a, on a website, and then the tallies are done from, well, I've from got... the website. Yeah, go ahead.
5: I've got a video of two um, – this is a video done in 2019, and it's two undergraduates from the University of Michigan, and they show you exactly how to flip the vote inside the machine, how they, mm-hmm. they put a bracket around each name, and then they swap the votes. And they can they do it um, very legitimately. I mean, it's like where they actually take the
1: people – Well, not legitimately, but – It actually looks like yeah. how they
5: filled yeah. in the vote. I mean – they they actually used the where it actually filled in the bubble and it looks exactly mm-hmm. like that but they swapped the names. And then um how they did it in Arizona or part of Arizona anyway, was that they had their their regular machines and I believe they're Dominion out there but they were twenty inch ballots and then their printers for election day, uh, they only printed up nineteen inch ballots. So when they scanned them through, it kicked most of them out. But the ones that it didn't kick out, that it didn't kick out, it actually scanned it to show even if they had voted for, uh, it always selected Katie Hobbs because it got it the way that it put it through. It, mm-hmm. it ended up voting for the wrong person. So cause oh, yeah. on election day, most of the people that come in to vote on election day were Republicans. And most people did the mail-in that had the actual normal-sized ballots with 20-inch ballots. So it heavily favored the Democrats. So,
1: and then well, a lot of the we
5: Republicans.
1: We've talked about that from what Dick Morris said. Is, uh, you have to vote early. You know, the Republicans yeah. have to bank their votes no. like Democrats do.
2: Those ballots need no. to be done by hand. and That's the only way you're going to get away from that electronic yes. stuff.
1: I don't want any early
2: voting. Need to be, ahead, Bianchi. The ballots need to be counted by hand. And tally the day of the night of the election, and then yes. the total should be called in. You should have two, three people give the ballot to person number one. He recorded it. Person number two, they record it. Person number three, they record it. After an hour or so, tally up your recordings, and they should match. If they don't, well, the stack of ballots are right there to your right in a pile where you can go back and see where a mistake was made. But that stuff on those machines. They can, even in the transmission, it can be hijacked. Those transmitted packets, I don't know if you, I'm sure you don't know how that works, but the packets It's not a continuous stream of information to go from point A to point B. It's packets that's of a particular size, and they can be hijacked and put right back in after the changes have been made.
0: Yeah. Well,
5: and also if we use it, like when I was talking about last week, if we get like a lottery, like a jury lottery of uh, people that, you know, have defended our country, like military or first responders, uh, people like that that are getting a pension, and we can put them into a lottery where people don't know who's going to get selected for that. And then I, I still think we need to videotape all the counting.
2: Yes, even while you're counting, you should have video cameras right there, and also you should have audio that can pick up the speech and the conversation. That should be there. Your your counters should be like a a grand jury. Nobody knows who the hell they are. And also, no poll worker should work in the district of their congressperson. They should work someplace else.
1: That might be interesting. That might be a little uh, a transportation issue, but uh, Dan, definitely put that in the bill. Put in in uh, you know what you guys are just talking about as far as uh, um, the videos and things like that. So definitely go over this podcast. Well, there'll be a podcast later but well, when when I right show podcast. right now they won't
5: allow they won't allow any videotaping at all in the election at all. And I mean, I thought my poll worker was going to have a heart attack. I wanted to do the the it's the express vote, and that's the voting machine that that the disabled people go and use. And I wanted to just check it out because I was a poll worker. I'd never used it before. I wanted to see how it worked. And I'm sitting there taking a picture of what I selected on the screen. And I thought our our clerk was gonna have a heart attack. He's like, you can't do that, you can't do that. I'm like, no, wait a minute. I said, this is my actual vote. You can take a picture of your ballot legitimately. That's really mm-hmm. the only time that photography is allowed inside the um, the polling place now. But um, and I said, "How do I know that what's on the screen is going to actually print out on this paper? And how can I prove it if it doesn't?" He's like, "Oh," so he backed off a little bit. But I took a well, picture you a of a receipt? Screen.
1: Did you get a receipt yes. from, from what you? The, the
5: express vote gives you a receipt, and it prints out exactly. It was perfect. It printed out okay. exactly
1: what said. I'm going to use that machine next time. Use that. See, I didn't know what. Yes. See, that means – So also, all bills have to print. You, you know, we don't want machines anyway. You but, need a uh, yeah. What's that?
3: Well,
5: I don't know that. I don't know that um, if we the do DSP that. 100 doesn't if do we,
1: it. I asked for receipts. No, I know. The primary, yeah, go ahead.
5: If we if we're if we're gonna do that, then we're gonna have to have machines. If we're gonna have to have something that prints it out that tells you exactly what well, that's you what voted, I was then
1: yeah, no, that's 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 exactly the point. That if we cannot, uh, this would be like a fallback position. So let's get our first bill through, and if it doesn't work, then our fallback position is okay. Well, if you're gonna have machines, then they have to be these kind of machines. You know, well, and it's
5: going to be like $35,000 a machine to be able to to replace any of these things. And I've been told that these machines are basically nothing but just a regular hard drive computer, and it's just software. It's the software that's getting corrupted. And we're paying, you know, 35 – and I don't know the exact number, but something like $35,000 a piece for these machines when they're actually only worth about $5,000. So
1: I think no, we're really constantly like getting contract. ripped off. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, let's let's yeah. get our our uh, election supervisor Tappy Villain, of Santa Rosa County, Florida, uh, who is a public figure, so I can I can say that. Uh, let's get her here on the show if we can, and let's talk about it because as she explained it to me, that she says that we're required to have these voting machines by state law, so that's something we need yes, to change too. So so let's find. Absolutely. Do you know where it is in state law? Do you know where that is?
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Okay. Good. So then you can put the bill citation. So go to that state law. And, and, uh, and what I like to do with all these bills is you publish the language that we're changing so people know what the old law is, and then you put the new law in. So then you put current law. So here's, here's a little subdivision. So, so basic bill format is introduction, uh, you know, your argument and your, uh, the old law the new law. So your introduction is or your, resol- your rationale is why are we doing this? Why do we need election integrity? Well, Yeah, exactly. So you, so you write up a little paragraph or a long or you know, write up what you need that explains why you're doing this bill. So that's your introduction or your rationale. The second part is the laws that you're changing. And if you're doing different parts to this, if we're doing a couple of different points, then you can do it separately. So you're gonna say, you're gonna have a subheading. This is this is a section on voting machines. So you're gonna say the old law says this. Blah, 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 only the part that's absolutely necessary. We are proposed, we're proposing to scrap that or delete that and replace it with this. And then you then you write up what you want in, in its place. That's all. That's all. Legislating is I mean, people think it's this. Is, this is or, a mysterious or we just process. write
5: the bill. Yeah. We we put the bill up there and then we just put a line through the stuff we don't like. <laughs>
1: um, you can, but that yeah, that's what Joel said. Now, Do you, you understand
2: how they uh. Go ahead, Do Patrick. she understand how they change? Let's look at this. Suppose you at a parade that your child is in, your daughter is in. At the starting line, your daughter, you put her on a very beautiful pink dress. Okay, so you go stand in the parade line so you can see your daughter when she come by. When your daughter come by, you see that the pink dress she has on is the soil. So you go out there, grab your daughter, change dresses, and now she put a blue dress on her. and Then get her back in the parade, and then she proceeds to the finish line. Well, what's happening there is when she started off with a pink dress, And by the time she got to the finish line, she's got on a blue dress. That's what's happening with these counts on these ballots. They start off one thing, and when they get to where they got to go, they have changed to something else. That's how they do it. And that's why unless the information is encrypted, it's just like your bank information when you bank Mm -hmm. online. If somebody wanted to steal that, they can steal it between the time that you punch a key on your laptop, on your keyboard, until the information travels to the bank, unless it's encrypted special. Now, these voting uh, apparatuses are not doing that. That's what allowed these information, these tallies to be changed the way they are. That's how Herschel Walker lose 20,000 votes within minutes and so on. You can't, you, it's got to go back to manual counting until you get this stuff straightened out. And you know what I would also do if I was anybody is get a hold of some of these young people that know how to hack <laughs> and do a demonstration. Start off at I the polling place.
1: That. Sorry, I've been done. I've seen it. Yeah, video on start that. off exactly. at the
2: polling yeah. place yep. and have somebody at the point where the information is received and tell them, Hey, we're gonna start you off here. We're gonna send ten thousand. Can you change it to twenty thousand to where it's gonna be received? They can do it, and that there is a good demonstrator to show uh, unknowledgeable people exactly what's going on.
5: That's what I sent in the, in my paperwork to Rudman and to Broxton and to Andrade. The first I I couldn't run a video that night, but I sent them the link to, to the two undergraduates from Michigan showing exactly how they flip the votes inside the ES&S machine. And that's what we have here, the ES&S. So I sent them that, and then I also sent them the – when you – in Dallas, and I don't know if I talked about this last week, but where you come in and you check in, there was a a woman that was videotaping her – We ours are called even machines. I think theirs were called poll books. But she was videotaping her poll book, and she had 400 people that were voting – that had voted that day and it showed it on the computer on her machine her poll book and she was showing all four of the machines that checked in their voters for their center and the machine started the the count started jumping up like they had had a hundred voters in five minutes and the counts were just jumping and jumping and jumping and she's discussing this and I've got this all on video and um, this was in Dallas And so uh, I sent that video or I wrote that video into my paperwork for them to see that as well. So it's like you can watch them flipping the votes in real time and adding votes to the system. And I I think that also I talked about the Red Valley Road issue last time where they're they're changing the addresses and they do the mail-in ballots and they can start adding those in too if they see the counts are too low. So well, they add in people, um, then they take it, them off.
1: They, they add them to the rolls, make them vote, have those votes count, then they take them off again so that you can't trace it.
5: Well, what they're doing is actually is they're they're taking the addresses mm-hmm. and they're changing the address just slightly, so, enough to where it won't get to the people's home for two weeks. And it's only they're only changing the, uh, the address for the SOE's office, for the voter registration. So you're still getting all your other mail. You're just not getting anything from the SOE's office.
1: The so, Secretary of, just, uh, of Elections. Secretary right.
5: of Elections, yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so then they, re- they request two mail-in ballots for those changed addresses. So as soon as those mail-in ballots arrive undeliverable back to the post office, then they flip the address back to the right address. So no one ever even notices what's happened. And then they have all these thousands of mail-in ballots that they can sign and send in whenever they want. And um, that has to be done more ahead of time Mm -hmm. because it has to get – well, I don't know. Some places aren't – they don't care about the dates on the ballots. (laughs) That's happened in multiple states
0: where they're letting
5: tons of – so I, that that won't happen in our county, though. I can assure you I've watched um, our county does a really good job of making sure that the, the ballots only come in at a certain time and then that's it. And that they check all the signatures and they kick out the ones that don't match. So our county is actually really good about that. But um, there's so many different ways for them to cheat. <laughs> We're finding yeah, out our county's
1: actually not bad, but them. we still want them better.
5: Ex- absolutely. And I just want to know if the machines have cheated in in 2020 and in uh, 2022. Now, we actually have a team. Kathy has agreed, and she saved the 2020, uh, the, the 2020 ballots from November 2020, and we're hmm. going to actually get to count them. We have a team that's actually going to get to go count well, some of the races from that. To see if Counting, it's going to be legitimate.
1: Yeah. No, I'm really curious to see the results of, of the uh, of the post-2020 yes. but, audit. Well, see, now I've just... And, and, uh,
5: but this doesn't mean that they didn't cheat in 2022 in the primary or the regular. That uh-huh. is not no. going to tell us if they're still yeah, cheating they cheat. now. And so that's what... That's yeah, fair. and that's what I, I... I just can't ever trust the machines because you never know if they're cheating. We will always have... To go old school, I mean, I don't know of an of a way that you can ever do it any different. The people that those two, um, the guys from U uh, University of Michigan, and they were talking about how you could scan the ballots. They can change it, the vote, flip the votes before it's even scanned. So you, they can cheat that way as well. That's a very fascinating um, video. Mm-hmm. If you guys want to well, watch it,
2: you know another well, this thing too. Got me, okay. You, you got to ask who's doing this. It's not the candidate. It's not necessarily the local polling place. It's the political party that has came in cahoots with somebody, and that's where all this begins.
5: The vendor vendor has to be able. The vendor's the one that's got the key to be able to make the software changes on that. But I don't know who it is. The
2: vendors working for the political party. The political party is the only one that's got the type of money that somebody would charge to do this. I mean, crooks don't do things for nothing. So there's the political party that's talking to somebody comes to the political party and say, look, in a a Starbucks cafe, we can help you win this election, but it's going to cost you this. And that's how it begins. It's not the candidate. The candidate is dumb, is a rock in all cases. It's the political party.
5: Well, I think it's even more than that, because I think it's both of our political parties at this point. Um,
1: well, now, there's something that, else, I think uh, This is the point I want to make, is that shall we write a bill that eliminates membership in a political party while you're serving in, a, in the state legislature? I think that's seriously worth looking into.
5: Yeah. Well,
1: not, not today, but... I was thinking but,
5: about that, too, about yeah. how... I know that's a whole other rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. That would, big
1: one. No, no, I, that's, I just that's worry a, that's that that's a warthog hole. That's, that's get, a much bigger, you know. Well, you yeah. get
5: so many write-in voters if you don't declare a party and you don't mm-hmm. have a primary. You just have would have so many people put in their names that it would dilute it so no, much. you can still that do petition drives.
1: Very, no, you can still do petition drives. Do what? what it'll do is it'll allow a Green Party or a Libertarian or a Constitution or a Christian Party or, or any party or a Tea Party to give them much more access to the ballot. See, right now the whole purpose of two parties is to exclude everybody else because they have the money, they control the ballots. What law is it that you only have Republicans and Democrats on ballots? That's absurd. You know, Or debates. It's always the Republicans and the Democrats. and Oh, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll throw in the, the alternative parties. No, no, I don't think you should be able to run from a party. Now, should parties exist? Absolutely. They can raise and spend all the money they want on behalf of candidates, but you should not be able to, be, to belong to a party. And, of course, that would also go for the majorities in the, in the state legislatures and in Congress for committees. Everybody should have to be voted on individually to run those committees. And you'd have former Democrats and former Republicans and maybe some Greens and Libertarians and et cetera, et cetera. But you wouldn't have one party controlling Congress. It would be, they'd actually be individually represented again, which is the way it's supposed to be. Parties are actually a, a tyranny. And so I want to remove party membership while you're in office. But before you're in office, sure, the minute you declare as a candidate – you're going to give up that thing. Now, obviously, we're going to know who was who for a while, but eventually, but as long as you can't count that in terms of committee chairs, yeah, they might build coalitions within, but there's there's no loyalty once they're in office to a party. No reason to. Should be interesting. we got to yeah. talk further about that. Should be yeah. that
5: way. I don't know.
1: Well, and we can do it. Hey, listen, we that, can write it. But... Okay, so we we can write any bill that we want. So the last thing you ever want to concern yourself with is, is it going to pass? Is this possible? Is this something the government is going to go for? That's irrelevant to us. Okay, that does not matter. Oh, yeah. Because because I want to know what we want. Then we'll worry about, you know, who's against us. But if you want to write a bill that says that nobody can belong to a political party during the time that they're running for office and serving in office, I don't care who's for it or against it at this point. I want to write that (laughs) bill. That's a good bill. Then we'll worry about it. Yeah, you know, don't 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 declare yeah. uh, don't don't surrender until the, the battle's at least been fought, <laughs> you know, you know, and this is the biggest <laughs> problem with the geldings, the gelding old party. The, they surrender immediately. Now, I still oh, here's a prediction for you. We, we should go in a couple of minutes, but I, I made a prediction that uh, between now and January 1st, the Democrats are going to sneakily, when nobody's looking, overturn just enough House seats. So they will be the majority party by New Year's Day. What do you think? You
5: know, that wouldn't surprise me in one, not one bit.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, so, yeah, or they're so convinced that McCarthy's one of them, part of the deep state, that they don't have to worry about it, like Paul Ryan. So either way, they win. The deep state wins. They, you know, it's like heads I win, tails you lose. They've got the fix in. So, so the, the, let me ask you both this question. So in the, in, the, in our closing minutes, well, actually we're overtime right now. In our in our overtime minutes, do you think the Republicans are going to have the House overturned illegally, like they did in 2018? Or are they going to? Or the Democrats not going to worry about it because Kevin McCarthy is a deep state member anyway. Diane,
5: <laughs> I have no mm-hmm. idea. Okay, I'm I action. worry that we got a lame duck. Ground. We got a lame duck presidency right now, and mm-hmm. I worry that
1: you mean the They're going
5: to just start.
1: – have got a lame duck. They're going to
5: start doing some really wild stuff. I yeah. I do worry about that, but I know that bill that's up at the Supreme Court right now. Um, the guys from Utah. Um
0: On what? what? They what's are kind the
5: It is actually it would remove a whole lot of our legislators and Biden and it was about the election for twenty twenty and the insurrection and that they illegally didn't allow for um the election fraud to be seen and that's at the Supreme Court now waiting to be seen. And um a lot of channels that I've been listening to there hopefully that they will come to a decision on that soon and it would help remove a whole lot of the swamp mm-hmm. so um
1: let's hope so lots
5: of prayers for that one to pass
1: yeah let's we'll see well so, so send, me, we said, uh, exactly. send me an article on that so i can research it and i'll present i'll present that myself i love doing yeah. supreme court stuff pianchi go ahead
2: courts can't overthrow no election <clears throat> that has to be done with the state legislature that's why come the uh, suits from Texas early on in twenty twenty uh then nobody want to hear it. They don't want to get involved in that. That has to go back to the state level. That's what people have been claiming that the Fourteenth Amendment was not ratified because there wasn't enough people in uh in in attendance at the time, and of course it said, well, the Congress itself, the legislative body, has to deal with that. And which is easy to do is, I like it that way. The states can look at this on their own. They don't want to control the electors. You don't need the Supreme Court unless people just feel happy with the nine justices, uh, you know, and making it feel like they're welcome. You know, there's some articles that's talking about how hackers. These articles are even on CNN. How hackers are stating, hey, yeah, you know, you're voting. Calories can be compromised from the point of inception to the point of destination. Nobody pays no attention to it. As CNN is printed, you know it's got to be something to it.
1: <laughs> well, that's why we need to get the. <laughs> hey, listen, let, let's hold it for today. Let's uh, let's pick this up uh, uh, next time. But uh, yeah, wow, two two reports down. Isn't this fun, Diane? You Having a good time yet?
5: Yeah, I am enjoying it. Yeah, absolutely. All right.
1: Wonderful. All right. So you're just getting started. Uh, this is going to get uh, much more interesting, uh, especially as Pianchi has bills. I had bills. We, we'll get Josie on, too, at some point, And she can tell you about her fingerprint ID bill, which would be very good also. So, Diane, conclusions. Uh, anything we should be watching? Any, any news for the following week? Any predictions uh, as to how the geldings are going to surrender? What's, uh, w- what do you say at this time? Or any, any groups that you want to uh, uh, tell folks to support other than Action Radio? I'll do that. <laughs> Action
5: Radio, it's awesome. <laughs> okay. Now, I just, I if you, if anyone gets any information on any hacking or cheating or you know, send it to us. Send it to Action Radio. Print it on so we can have you know the more ammunition that we have that we want to be able to take it and change our legislation. So please help. It, okay. Reach out um, if you'd I, like to join in and and help us.
1: I have an idea. I just thought of, mm-hmm. would, uh, would you help if I started uh, yet another group? This would be, I think, 21 or 22, an uh, election integrity group that people can specifically post stories directly related to in- election integrity. That way, you wouldn't have to go through my email. It'd be right there, and you can communicate directly with people and get more information. Sound That'd good? be awesome. I'll do it. Yeah. That was easy. Action Radio, taking action yet again. <laughs> so uh, that's what we do. That's what we do here. All I got to right. get used to, yeah, I, I, I have to start actually putting our, our groups ahead of time that, that can support us. So, so uh, giveSendGo.com slash action radio uh, will work and also uh, PayPal.com slash PayPalMe slash action radio. So anything of these groups slash action radio, uh, you'll be able to contribute and help our efforts here to build a bigger legislature, a bigger marketing campaign, and uh, keep the lights on. <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff, as they say. Um, so uh, Diane, okay for this week? Should we do it next week? Um, Any other uh, conclusions or things to watch? Wait,
5: what is next week? We're rolling into Christmas pretty quick,
1: huh? Let me look at my calendar. Next Thursday is the 14th. It's the 14th. Yeah. Yeah, you can do the 14th, can't you? We have a hot date. I'm just teasing you.
5: It's the 15th, dear.
1: Oh. You're right, it is. It's the 15th. Okay. I stand corrected.
5: You got your 2023 calendar up.
1: <laughs> uh, I could. Yeah, no, I actually, can do the I just read it wrong. I thought for some reason you're, this was Wednesday, but don't ask me why I thought that. Okay, so Thursday the 15th. It's
5: been a long week.
1: Huh? It, well, it's been, well, you know what? Seriously, though, this is the, the, I call it the adrenaline dump. When I, when I prepare for an interview like David Stockman, okay, I'm, I'm, this starts days ahead of time. And I have to, you know, I'll put a bunch of stuff on. I'll take a bunch of stuff off. No, I can't talk about that. Yes, I can talk about this. Uh, and then, of course, the actual interview, I want to make sure I do a good job. And I, I think today yeah. went pretty well. Um, but there's such yeah, a, a, a an adrenaline drop after an interview like that that I'm basically on fumes at this point. <laughs> so I'm not able to say anything. <laughs> Need some coffee. Yeah, I can do yeah, the 15th and kidding.
5: I can do the 22nd. I'm okay. not sure I'll be available for the 29th, though.
1: Yeah, so I, be I don't Christmas. expect much to happen between Christmas and New Year's. I might just take that week yeah. off. You never know. Yeah. Crazy things have happened. Oh, I'll just write a bunch of bills. And go, hey, look what I did. <laughs> yeah. Hey, teacher, look yeah, what I did. Yeah, we'll get
5: him in before the first. Yeah. That'd, well, that'd let nice. me know
1: about that, too. That's, that's the most important thing right now is get a hold of Joel Rudman and get the calendar. and That'll go for the other representatives, too. And some of them, like Andrade, may already have his six. But Broxson can put as many. He's the state senator. He can put in as many bills as he wants. So he's not limited by that. Was he amenable? I, I'm not.
5: I'm not um,
1: right,
5: I ahead. I don't see yeah. us getting any help from him. I really don't. Okay. I, you know who might actually help is Jer Williamson. I could reach Jer out Limson? to him okay. and see if um, he would. Like, I don't know if he'd be amenable to help or not. Um, okay. But he might Michelle be a, a possibility.
1: How about Michelle Saltzman? I that's don't over know in, in Escambia. Okay. I know her pretty well. Um, and here's one thing, too. If you Do you have contacts in Matt Gates' office? Because we need him back on the show. Mm, no. But
5: okay. he might help. Well, I don't know. I do. Yeah, I, well, I, I know some
1: people that know him. Oh, oh. good. Well, let's, I, I know him directly, but he doesn't come on my show. <laughs> you know, he's doing other stuff. So we got to get him back on here. Uh, he used to be on the show. I mean, how can we give him all these great ideas if he's not here talking to us? You know, I'm not doing this for yeah. ratings, folks. I'm doing this because it's the best way to get our work done. That's what this is all about. But uh, I'd love to have, well, maybe not Doug, but I'd love to have uh, uh, certainly Joel on the show. Uh, Alex Andrade has never been on the show. He's welcome. Uh, if you can get Broxton, that would be great. Uh, and get J.R. Williamson. He's my representative. I don't know why he's – I've asked him enough times. You know, let's, 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 uh, let's make regular visitors of these people so they can start talking to us. That would be good. Well,
5: and now that he's not a representative, he might be able to talk more freely too.
1: Oh, that's for sure. But why do you he, think I never run for office? Do you think I could say what I say if I was in office? No. Hell no. 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 <laughs> I'd have no freedom. Yeah. So the reason I, I have never, I'm never going to run for office. I do not aspire to be in office because I couldn't, I couldn't do any of the legislate. Legisla- legislators don't legislate. You know, action radio hosts do. <laughs> I just yes. got a bumper sticker.
5: And lobbyists.
1: Yeah. Lobbyists. Well, yes, you're a lobbyist, lobbyist now. now. Yes. You're a citizen legislator. What do you think? You're actually working on your first bill. Woohoo. Yeah. Let's give you a go. <laughs> Hopefully
5: you can get something passed.
1: Yeah. Let, let's make the big announcement. <laughs> Now, our latest citizen legislator, Diane Warner. Okay, now it's official.
5: No, awesome. I feel yeah. official.
1: Good. I'm out of here. I Thank you. Go all.
5: ask Santa for a Yeti blue microphone now.
1: Oh, you remember that? Good. Did you write that down? Yeti blue microphone. Yes, I did. <laughs> okay, good. Sounds good. And all the other things we talked about, get them Thanks, from the podcast. Greg. You're welcome, Diane. Thank you, Bianchi, too. Uh, I'm out of here. I, this has been amazing. I want to go listen to my own interview <laughs> with David Stockman. That was incredible. Again, if you want to help us out here, we've got uh, several products, Great Care, MyPillow, uh, Strikeforce Energy, and these other folks here. And the discount code is always the same, W-Y-L. That is our discount code here. We also have GiveSendGo.com for Action Radio, our, our GiveSendGo account, and PayPal me. Uh, Slash action radio also and so that'll help us as well a couple things to play and then we are done for today back tomorrow morning Friday at 6 o'clock that's our early day Friday 6 a.m. Central Time
2: Friday already
1: this is Greg Penglis. so what is action radio it is a radio show with its own citizen legislature that's you the listener it is a fully interactive system of listeners expert guests social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio, using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. Yes, Bianchi, tomorrow is Friday. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis.